0: Reveille, Reveille, docks. Look at us now, tip to tip.
1: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show.
0: I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Happy Monday to you, top of the morning. Let's start the week the right way. The MK way, the Morning Combat way. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Morning Combat, the only show you really need in your life. I don't care what's going on in it. Really? This is this is it. You can begin here and you can end here. Alpha and Omega. Speaking of which, I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I am joined by my cohort, my partner, my Connecticut Dirtbag friend. Yeah. He's also your Connecticut dirtbag friend. It's Brian Campbell. Hello, Brian. I mean, Campbell. Luke,
1: those insults are fine, but you might as well call yourself Omega because you're dealing right now with uh with the American Alpha in the flesh, okay, bro? Okay? That's what it's mm. all about, Luke. Okay? That's fair. That's Luke fair. you Luke, you almost lost your shit about a minute before this show today, true or false?
0: People just like fucking with me, and then you know, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen, I'm very, I'm very particular about my office. Don't fuck with my office. And I don't I don't know what happened, but yo, if got you moved find out that I'm was Toki
1: you ain't doing shit if you find out that was Dookie, dude. So don't even try yeah, to act all get tough mad at him for
0: after the fact.
1: For the listeners right here, Uh Luke, great to be back on. Uh, I want to say U.S. soil. I mean, you know, Deadwood, South Dakota, did feel a little, uh, a little second world. But uh, I want to say uh, thank you to uh, to the fine people and the staff at Deadwood for Showbox on Friday, who won me over in the end. Luke, is the place a little weird and off putting? Yes. But the donks showed up Friday night, Luke, okay? Including our guy Chance with an S who said he was going to ride horseback, Luke, to come see me. Do you know he showed up with a country time lemonade wrapper to make fun of my skin tone, Luke? And, um, yeah. And his father-in-law had a braided beard, like, down to his waist and looked like he he would shiv a motherfucker. So, I love our fans, Luke. That's all I have to say. Thank you.
0: And you're like, if he was more ambulatory, I would have thought he was there on January 6th. That there kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it was a big success. I watched the fights. They were fun. There was one fight that was, I don't know how that kid got on TV, but okay. Neither here nor there. Oh, you mean the we guy that trains, about...
1: in, that trains in his backyard, Look, I'm sure that was yeah.
0: that was a recent strike. <laughs> it looked yeah. like it. I was even texting you during the middle. I'm like, uh, this kid's mechanics yeah. are a huge problem. And then he gets dusted like a minute later. But okay. Neither here nor there. There was a lot that happened over the weekend. Not just Fridays. Showbox, of course. Saturday's UFC, Saturday's Bellator, Friday night's Eagle FC, and then Saturday morning, depending on your time or afternoon, the Mick Conlon and Lee Wood fights. We have a lot Woo! to get to. Thumbs up, thumbs up on this if you're watching on YouTube, and uh, hit subscribe. Give us a nice review if you're listening on the podcast. If you're looking at the screen right now, these are all of our various social channels. You can give us a follow wherever your heart desires. Of course, you can give us an email, morningcombat at gmail.com uh we are going to be in studio on wednesday by the way we'll be studio the next time you see us together it'll be in studio so that should be a good time and then let's see bc oh if you want to try showtime i mean you had bc fridays showtime uh, excuse me bellator saturdays pretty potent combo you can go to showtime.com get a 30-day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not pound sand and uh oh bc what's going on at the merch department sir
1: Uh, ahead of Thursday's, uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day holiday, we continue to roll out our, uh, MK-inspired, uh, shout-outs to, to drinking, to, uh, to the Irish, Luke, of which I hold one-eighth of, of my body, Luke, hopefully it's not the, the spot in the, you know, middle, lower, the front-facing the front spot, but uh, you can get your MK Irish gear yourself by going to morningcombat.store. Support the show, guys. It's it's high quality. Look, are the designs classy? Never, okay? <laughs> Neither is the show. But the quality of the merch is, is pretty damn good. You know, it's, it's not going to it's not gonna be thrown away within a year, okay? Uh, so step right up and uh, help. Help us help you, okay? Right here. Thank you.
0: And by the way, I get questions about it all the time, BC. We got to talk about our next partner, which we use basically every day i'm talking about things where it's good for your gut health you don't have to take a ton of vitamins and minerals and pills and everything else you do it just in one go i'm talking about athletic greens partner that's what i'm talking about bc
1: yeah luke we love it i love it i mean it's right here luke okay and the thing that is number one about this is we already know it's good for you you read the ingredients you know that but it doesn't taste like it's super healthy, Luke. And that's the trick I'm trying to do to my mind and liver and all that. Uh, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to, Luke. You know what I do, Luke? Okay. What? I pour that scoop in, but I don't mix it. So then throughout the day, I just keep refilling that bottle. And it's like I'm drinking, you know, 10 cups of Athletic Greens, even though you need just one per day in the morning. It's fantastic.
0: Okay. That's a little gross. You're just drinking like backwater on top of Athletic Greens. But if you want to know what's water. in it, it's a uh, 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole-sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right.
1: Yeah, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging I don't think it cures hangovers, Luke, but I'm willing to try.
0: (laughs) Uh, And, you know, listen, once in the morning, that's it, or whenever you want. Just at one point during your day, you can have travel packets. So, BC, I'm probably going to take one with me when we go to JC to record together. You're damn right, okay? It's that convenient. So, I'll do the same. Thank you. All right. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good.
1: And it costs you less than $3 per day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than that damn cold brew habit you got or the vape store.
0: (laughs) Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself.
1: And if you're wondering what the others are saying about it, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais.
0: Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health.
1: And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you for free a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit the website athleticgreens.com slash morning combat of course that's combat
0: with a k again that is athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right bc with that out of the way would you like to get this party started with that weird molester smile of yours? Please?
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a little, that's a little much Luke, Luke, uh, uh your, your wife made it home. We're back. We're happy family. Is life good yes, now?
0: Yes. Everyone, everyone is finally back in place. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, just juggling chainsaws and bowling balls on fire now.
1: So. Oh, Luke, real quick. 10 seconds. Uh, Scott Hall, the, you know, NWO Razor Ramon pro wrestling. He's, uh. He's fighting for his life, Luke, after I believe multiple uh, heart attacks and some other issues, and uh, it's not looking good, but Luke, the you know, uh, what do they always say? Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. That guy is, uh, he's, he's among the best ever, Luke, in this damn uh, uh, weird, addicting genre that they do there. So uh, shout out to him, and also Luke, Tom Brady's back. So I just want to make sure you were completely up
0: to speed on everything. I mean, I'm so sick of this zero. Ugh. All right, but anyway, time for a different discussion. BC, let's turn the page towards MK topics. Topic number one, we start with UFC Vegas 50. We had a main event on paper, which we discussed ad nauseum last week. Magomed Ankalaev taking on Tiago Santos. Winner here probably moved into a top or solidified a um, potential uh, top five position. And more than that, with Ankalaev, it would be a sort of close-ish spot to a title for Santos. Had he won, it would be reasserting himself in that division. BC, Santos did not only not win, but the victory was kind of ho-hum after the fact. Not all that exciting. So how much confidence, based on this performance, do you have that Megamed Ankalaev could actually be a real title contender?
1: It's easy to miss what we learned from this as a result of the fact that it wasn't a, a, a showcasing win. It was a safe win. And Luke, you know, at times... It's like I always go back to Jan Blachowicz when he was rising, and he took on that main event against against Jacare Souza, and it was just as boring, as safe as shit. And I'm like, that's your moment to announce yourself. Well, look, he kind of needed that for whatever reason, to survive and advance, and eventually got his title shot, and he won the damn belt. Ankoliyev now with eight in a row afterwards saying, I want a title shot. Look, you're not going to get it with a performance like that. But, Luke, after the fight, he did mention that his goal was really to show everybody he can go five rounds. And you add in the fact that, however you think of Maheta's stock right now, he's he's one strike away at any time, and he did drop Ankoliyev at the end of round two, and maybe if he had another minute could have done some serious damage. But, you know, there's that part of it. But, Luke, um, I don't think it changes, you know. Uh, look, to do a whole hum fight against Tiago Santos and control him and win like this, you have to be impressively skilled. So he failed to grab our attention. He failed to link his name with the others coming out of the Shmesh factory as having not only next for the title, but like next for the sport. But he didn't really show a lot of holes though. And if this was a focused effort on him to avoid the big one and show he can go five rounds, is there a price to pay marketability wise placement wise for that? Yeah. To it to a degree. Yes. But as long as he keeps winning and surviving and advancing Luke, he's not a big trash talker anyway. This may be exactly what he needed to get to that next level. So I'm not going to defend the entertainment value but I don't think he's any less of a fighter from taking it safe against one of the most dangerous sluggers. Uh, you know, th- this guy will, uh, uh, in terms of UFC, Tiago Santos will either knock you out or knock you up, Luke, and that's a proven fact.
0: <laughs> yes, that is a proven fact. I, you're, you're right. The comments afterwards, where he said he was dedicatedly looking to go the full distance, put this in a somewhat different light, which is to say, the real victory here for Ankalaev is the internal one uh, that he had a real question about, not a, a doubt per se, but needed to see it lived out that he could go five rounds with another high end UFC light heavyweight. And in that sense, he accomplished it without much of an issue. He did get knocked down once, but it didn't amount to much in the end, right? The guy still won 49 46, 49 46, and then 48 47 at worst. So. So, fine. If that was really the goal, the goal was to get the win and then to do it over the course of 25 minutes, mission accomplished. Because there were times where the takedown he got in the fourth, he got it, like, relatively easily. We had talked about this before on Friday. Like, if he had not, like, gone all the time for takedowns, but just weaved them in a little bit, it would have paid dividends and he didn't really go for it until later. You know, it was a very subdued performance. There also, though, BC, might be a question of, like, He's a little bit matchup dependent, right? Certain matchups are going to allow him when he can really lord over all of those many skills, the very precise boxing. But when he's got another heavy, dominant puncher in front of him who also wants to counter strike, he's a little bit limited in how much he can move yeah. the fight forward in that case. Now, how much is that? Well, if he fights Anthony Smith or whoever ends up being the champion, because that was discussed, I don't know specifically, but it's hard to say anything bad. I guess my only point is there is a boost here, just not really all that tremendous of a boost. Right, and certainly not in
1: terms of UFC matchmakers wanting to reward him for that. But, you know, again, it's like he kind of... he stay, You just made an argument, you know, maybe you would have liked to see more takedowns. Maybe that could have been a potentially e- even easier road for him. I like the fact that he didn't rely on his wrestling, which is certainly more of his calling card than not, Luke, and stuck with that accurate, hard counter-striking... Uh, again, part of why this wasn't entertaining, most of why this wasn't entertaining, certainly was the choices that Ankalaev made. Although by making those choices, he completely controlled the fight, right? Except for the the one sequence. But this is also two counter strikers going against each other, and if both are going to remain stubborn in that role, you're not going to get anybody leading and leading the dance and making it a fun fight. And that's kind of how this turned out to be. But what did we see? Ankalaev striking Luke, which was full on display. Yeah, one punch at a time or one. You know, counter shot, but damn, the dude's accurate, and he does hit hard, and he seems to have a mind for this game. So I'm not going to come out here, Luke, and do what you want me to do, which is to say, line him up, Anthony Smith. He's going to smash your boy. No, Luke, I have respect for that man as a as a man, as a journalist, as a as a fighter. But Luke, he's going to smash your boy, and then he's going to fight for the title. Okay,
0: I'm telling you All that right, I was right now. Ask you, you, is that what you think is next? A, a one more fight, and then the title. And if so. You like the Anthony Smith one. Tell me why you like that fight.
1: No, I do like that fight a lot. And, and and all jokes aside, Anthony Smith is a is a tough, very tough, as we've seen so many times. So that makes him a tough out. But he's more active than a Tiago Santos. He's not going to just rely on on the hope of one big shot, right? He's gonna. He's a well rounded fighter who can compete with you in every category. And and I think that's the perfect sort of test or showcase or both, depending on the level of difficulty that Ankalaev, if he wins ultimately, has. That it makes a lot of sense because he doesn't deserve the reward of the title shot next. It's a little bit crowded at the top at the moment. I want to see you know what Rakic can do after uh, Prohacica gets gets that opportunity. But uh, yeah, and Anthony Smith, you know, he said it on the broadcast without you know trying to oppor- you know be opportunistic. He he made the call and he's right. He the the win streak Anthony Smith is on from his last loss and how solid he looks. Look, that's a heck of a fight. That Now, that's a damn main event. Not not the Ryan Spann fight. This fight, that would be a damn main event. Okay? Ankalia yeah, that's Smith. a much
0: closer pairing of ability, obviously. Uh, I, I agree. I like it because here's who's at the top, right? You've got Glover as your champion, but he's got a date with Prochacca. Blahovich obviously just lost and I think has to take time off with uh, injury or something along those lines, but it's not r- ready right away. Now there is Rakic sitting out there, but he could be maybe in a number one contender spot. He does obviously have the win over Smith, who's sitting at four. And then I'm going to guess that Ankaliev is going to leapfrog Santos, which will put him at around the five spot. So at a bare minimum, one more win is absolutely necessary. The Smith one is good. The Rakic one would be good too. Like I would, I don't understand what the problem with that one would be, other than Rakic might perceive himself to be further along than having to do that. But either of those would be good, and also I would say if Rakic is still hanging around waiting for a fight, and then Smith and Ankalaev get it done, the winner of that could face Rakic for a true number one contender, uh, because Rakic obviously was supposed to fight Blahovic and the whole thing fell apart. So, hey, Luke, or, I don't want to count out—I don't
1: want to cut out my Connecticut uh, brethren, uh, Glover Shara mm-hmm. because uh, you know if his story is going to continue, damn right I want to watch it and enjoy it. But dude, how great is the next few fights atop this division going to be? I mean. If it ends up being Prohaska and Rackets for the belt, you know, contrast in styles and personalities. I love the shit out of that fight, Luke. And 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 you certainly want you know, what if Ankaliyev ends up facing the winner? You know, if he gets back past Anthony Smith, which obviously is not a foregone conclusion. Um, I like the future at two hundred five, even though it's not star studded with the loss of John Jones's name. Um, it's it's they're filling it out pretty quick in terms of giving us people who are legitimately in the title content. I mean, look is. Is Dominic Reyes, like, completely out of the title conversation for good? No, right? I mean, the guy still walks, right?
0: Yeah, for good, no. He He's obviously in need of a rebound performance and then a little bit more than that, but not out of it. It is kind of funny, though, if you look at the top five, including the champion, only one American, which would be Smith in there, just sort of speaks to the, this has always been somewhat true with light heavyweight. Whenever you've had big stars, like when Overeem was at light heavyweight, this is years and years ago, early 2000s, obviously you had a strong Brazilian contingent of good light heavyweights, Arona for a time, Vitor Belfort you have had the I mean, Americans, Rampage Tito, blah blah blah, but to see how much you have it, like with, uh, let's see Blachowicz is Polish, Brachowicz is what? Czech? Uh, Rakic is, uh, he lives in Austria um, Croatian or did I just make that up Luke? He might be but I know for, I follow him on Instagram He he's he lives in Austria uh, and then obviously Tiago Santos is Brazilian and Ankalaev is Russian it's really interesting to see how internationalized the top of that light heavyweight division has become sort of a smaller note but this was this was a makeup where if I'd ask you where are the top five top six light heavyweights in the world for at least the UFC light heavyweights and you could tell me you know Vienna Austria and wherever else 10 years ago that was impossible that was there's no way that was going to happen and now it's just a matter of routine so Look, you're I've... right You got some new youth as well uh, go ahead I've
1: Three important questions for you about light heavyweight. All right, all right. Will we know for sure following the conclusion of Nemkov versus Corey Anderson in the Bellator lightweight light heavyweight Grand Prix final, and Glover versus Prohaska? After those two fights, do you think we'll know for sure who's the best two hundred five pound fighter in the world?
0: Ooh. Um. Consensus number one, right? Yes. No, I don't. I okay, don't. what if Especially Nemkov, if Nemkov, what if Nemkov really well.
1: bulldozes, okay, Anderson? and Which is, I don't think I, that he's going to have that type of ease even if he wins. That's a great fight in terms of competitiveness. Yeah.
0: I don't, as long as Nemkov is sitting on the outside looking in, I just think there's going to be a, a lot of MMA fans are in denial. They think that they're MMA fans, but they're really just UFC fans. And that's fine. Like, dude, like what you like. And don't watch what you don't want to watch. If, the, if if MMA outside of UFC doesn't interest you, then it doesn't interest you. But it's hard to call yourself an MMA fan if you only watch UFC. And so I just think because there's enough of that group, however ill-informed they may be, it's going to be hard for Nemkov. I do think, though, if he goes in there and just dusts Corey Anderson at this point, which I also don't think is likely... That would it, it would make the it would make the PR campaign behind him certainly significantly more than it is now. A okay. lot of people don't even know know about him. So nah, right, I don't super think it
1: would. super important light heavyweight question number two. My favorite 205-er, Mahetta. is he having lost what four in a, three in a, row, four in a row four in a row four or five something it's um, whatever it is it's bad. Look, okay, I know he had yeah. the Johnny Walker win in between, but I think it's four out of five all against elites. Four is out of he,
0: five one and uh, two in his last three
1: Luke is Maheto Santos washed or just a firm step below elite
0: um I don't know if he's washed in the sense that you that we typically imply I think that the injuries he had were for a professional fighting career um not quite catastrophic but something pretty close to it, and there was no recovery that was possible that was going to put him back on a path to success, especially given his age, which is now 38. Obviously, he was injured in the Jones fight, which was all the way back in 2019, so three years ago. But even then, 35 is, you know, that's pretty old to get, you know, extensive reconstructive surgery on both knees. There was no coming back from that in a way that were – not that he couldn't win again. He beat Johnny Walker. But to be what he was, that's just way, way too much damage to try and reconstruct a, a physical he, game behind.
1: As me. much as I want them to put him back together, they can't. But Luke, I'll, I'll give him the finest compliment I can. To me, Tiago Santos is first team All UFC Fight Pass, which means if I'm sitting in the eighth row on Delta, and you know I'm just looking to chill out and watch some fights, that's one of the first five guys I'm randomly going to because I just love his whole run and just. Picking a fight, Luke, and you're typically entertained across the board. Finally, number three, Luke. I don't think Little Nog was ever elite, dude. Deal with the consequences of me saying that.
0: Uh, no, I think you will deal with the consequences, <laughs> Paul Buentello. <laughs> don't fear me. Fear the Cabbage consequences. Coheia? Yeah. <laughs> uh, true or false, Luke? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. But oh, real quickly on Tiago Santos.
1: Oh, wow, 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 Luke. Let me, let me, wow, Let me go
0: back. Let me go back. Tiago Santos, is this it for him? Like, is this idea that he's ever going to beat a very top-end guy? Is that over? Uh,
1: for the fans, yes. For UFC matchmakers, yes. For him, maybe not. Maybe he thinks, Luke, he's one more knockout win away from being right back there. Um, I don't think he should walk away. I don't think they'll tell him to walk away. Um, he still serves an, an immensely large purpose as being a gatekeeper. Right now, an elite gatekeeper. Do I want to see him, you know, stockpile L's or trade wins and losses for five years as a real gatekeeper? No, but I think he's got a in, in, a, in his mind, Luke, when you get to this point in your career, until somebody solves you, and I know you say, well, well, you know, in, to us losing a five round decision, which you were completely, you know, dominated almost every turn, that's solving, but to the warrior inside Mahetta, until somebody takes his soul, Luke, until somebody knocks him the f out at this level, he's not going to believe he's not that guy, or he can't be that guy on for one night. So um, you got to downgrade the matchmaking next for sure. But yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot, we're going to have to find out a lot of what that fight looks like, Luke. I think he can bounce back and win on a, on a step down level for sure. But uh, he's gonna he's gonna have to take some punishment, I think, in these fights to to try to do that, Luke
0: the step down part is right. I mean, here's the thing. The losses are are piling up, but you know, the one kind of caveat is John Jones, Glover Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, Magomed Ankalaev. He's not losing at light heavyweight at this juncture to nobody's, but he clearly can't compete with the very best of that division, not right now, maybe probably not ever again. Um obviously that remains to be seen, but a step down is not merely warranted, it is I think necessary at this point. Uh, bc in your co-main event from that ufc Oh, bro so, so you, are you
1: are you punting stepping up to the microphone and telling the truth about little nog okay are you are you I mean, outright really
0: stupid, it, dude it's a very very stupid thing you're saying can we move on to things that are is more the, was than, the man than, elite than, or not And your masturbatory ideas about a light heavyweight that no longer competes
1: wow wow look <laughs> okay. i mean i mean <laughs> uh, feminine products all nine luke i
0: mean come on bro you know I don't want to talk about Little Nog. We got shit to do. Okay. Why are you we know, talking about Little Nog? Hey,
1: one of us fueled by AG1 was man enough to bring facts to the table. Okay, Luke, thank you.
0: Uh, all right, enjoy en- enjoy your delusions. All right, point number two. Song Yedong was in the co-main event and not only won against Marlon Morice, he easily dispatched him inside the first round. Mike Bond made a point about the losses of Marlon Morais; They're becoming quicker and even more brutal over time. BC, we'll start, though, with the winner, with Song Yadong. Dude, it could not have gone much better for him. How impressed are you, and what do you take from a victory like this? What does it signify to you?
1: Well, I think you can take everything we learned until that the big one landed. And, you know, once it landed, the fight was over. And, obviously, there's a lot to say about Marlon Royce's future from here, but focusing on Song Yadong, I, I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was a solid step. You can only take so much again from it, but... Poise, setups, combinations. Um Luke, you know, I'm I'm certainly not ready to stamp him as as a as a guarantee, but dude, he looks really damn good for future potential, Luke. And I think getting this name, however damaged that name is, and it's it's pretty damaged, we're getting there. Um, it is a big win and a big step forward. So uh yeah, we got to find out more. Let's let's get him in a more even matchup next. But dude, I mean, what can you say negative about this performance? Luke, just try it.
0: For Song of Dog, I don't know what we could have said. Other than, I I guess he didn't, like, he got hit uh, at least once or however many times, not many. So it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close to that. Here's the thing, though. We already knew he had big power. We already knew he had good combinations. We already knew his striking reads and setups and accuracy had gone uh, or gotten much better. In that sense, this fight didn't tell us anything. But what this probably does is solidify that in, like, this concentrated moment when you can be like, wow, look who he beat. He beat a guy with a name, and he did it with these skills that had been revealing themselves in in bursts or in larger parts um, previously to this. But he has this crystallizing moment where he can now leverage this. I think he enters the top 10, by the way, with this, because I think Maurice was sitting at 10. So now he's going to start being in there with some names where uh, they also have names. Potentially they have a number beside it, but they're going to offer potentially stiffer resistance. This, to me, was the culmination of some work he's been done that has been Somewhat unheralded somewhat under the radar that's the big thing for song Yudong. he's been he's had a couple of moments of you know get, grabbing attention, but the more recent work has been very much under the radar this was the time where he put it all together against a guy fans recognize as being troubled in Marlon Morrice but still of previous I mean it's just crazy that this guy knocked out sterling stopped Jimmy Rivera stopped rafael Sunsau and just can't buy a win it's, but it's to but this it, but point, look-
1: yeah and and just so quickly on um on Yudong, and no I'm not setting up a joke I'm I'm saying that um the, do you like the call out of Dom Cruz well because...
0: so there's the team Alpha male there right the the team Alpha male connection they all want it to, uh, Dom Cruz still a relevant fighter still a difficult fighter to beat with obviously a tremendous name and we will promote though. that fight we
1: we would learn a lot about
0: Yodong if he took that fight next because of Cruz's unorthodox style?
1: Because I was ready to ca- count out Cruz the last two fights, in both fights he showed me that that unorthodox style, even as it's slowing down a bit, and even though you know he's never going to be a knockout puncher, he'll still expose you if you're not ready, Luke. If you're not ready to 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 win the fight with your mind, you know what I'm saying, Luke?
0: Yeah, and also he, he I think I, I got to look at the numbers on this to be sure, but I feel like he goes to the wrestling a little bit more now, too, Dominic Cruz, which he always did, but just slightly turned it up on the dial. Yeah. to get a little bit more out of it. But this was, this was to me, uh, Song Yudong uh, announcing, I'm a top 10 bantamweight. I'm ready for big challenges. I have beaten people now with names that folks should recognize. Right, A lot of times you can ask a, of a rising prospect, you know, ask a fan, name their three best wins, and they may struggle for names. This is one of those ones where you're like, oh, right, didn't he knock out Marlon Moraes in the first? In, in a year or two or three, we'll be talking about this. But BC, I, I hate to say this, I don't... I, I don't like focusing on a fighter's losses this way, but we just simply have to. And I'm going to ask it as plainly as I can. Is this it for Mulder Rice? I
1: think it should be. Yeah, yes, Luke. And and di- now I wanted to ask you because, you know, I, I I watched this piecemeal after the fact. I'm sure you were watching this card live. Um, Did he take off the gloves signifying retirement? Because I saw some tweets from Ariel, but I never I never quite put it all together.
0: I didn't. I don't know. I, okay. I and watching real time after he got stopped. I went back and I rewinded it a bunch just to rewatch it. So I'm, I may have missed that part. I don't, I don't know if that's confirmed. I think he should. What did, what did Ariel tweet? I, I missed, I missed that too. That he took his gloves off. Yeah.
1: Which, you know, but uh, okay, he, okay. you know which So look, I think he should because he, the fatal flaw that he has right now, Luke, I don't think you can fix it. And it's just going to keep repeating itself on every level. And you know what I mean? Like, is he talented enough to pull off the Amir Khan Act for a while, which means I can beat the lower-level guys, although I'll get rocked a few times and have a scare, and then I'll sell my name to the bigger names and get sent to hell? Maybe, but it's not worth it in this game. It's a different matchmaking style in UFC, which makes it less valuable, but it's not worth it, dude. Like, he got to a high level, Luke, but I, I th- there's a major malfunction that that is, once it's gone, it's 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 gone,
0: Luke. I mean, it's gone. Here here's the thing that everyone has to kind of wrap their head around. This is less true in the dwalish Wheelie fight, where you know he A, Marlin nearly won it, and then B Dwalish Wheelie just kind of, you know, is a is a terminator. Uh but in the font Sandhagen and Yadong fight, like what's the common denominator there? The common denominator there is that strikers looked a little bit, made some reads, and here understand just think about it this way, BC. Especially true in boxing, less true in MMA, but when it, you have knockouts like this consecutively, now it, the question becomes relevant. Um, elite high level pro fighters, especially ones with a striking kind of based game, they don't get hit cleanly all that often. Especially in boxing, it's less true in MMA where, you, where guys can, you know, things can happen. But if you get viciously stopped several times in a row with like pinpoint accuracy, dude, it tells you that they're reading you. That they're, that they're able to pick up on your movement and your timing and either create traps for you to fall in, which is what Song Your Dog did, or um, in the case of San Hagen, they can just sort of know where you're going to be and, and then Rob Font, the sort of accumulative striking uh, ability that he has. Dude, they're just looking at him and they can read it wide open. That is a hard problem to solve. The question I have is how come no one was able to do that beforehand? It seems like It seems like the game didn't change. Everyone's approach changed. And that is a much harder thing to solve for. I agree, and you should
1: probably figure out how to set traps with your dong, Luke.
0: <laughs> I mean, did uh, you so take, Luke, did least- you take French? What what foreign language did you take in <laughs> high school? Let me ask. It's not you. like I'm right saying. Now.
1: It's not like I'm saying little naga's Jeremy Giambi though. Like there are, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I think I, I think I nailed
0: it, Luke. Okay. I don't think you did. What? What foreign language did you take in high school?
1: I took uh, French in seventh, eighth, nine, 10, and 11, Luke.
0: I almost okay. took
1: French for honors senior year, but then I said to myself, what am I doing? What am I going to do with
0: this, Luke? Nothing, okay? Nothing. So, how do you say 19 in French? I don't even remember, okay? Oh, bullshit. You no, took I swear. five years of French and you don't Dude, remember how to say 19.
1: I-, I went to Montreal on New Year's Eve when I was like 20. And I thought, oh, good, I'll put all my French education to work. I'll have real conversations with hot French chicks. Luke, I couldn't – I dude, I uh, – it was like my English now, Luke, okay? It was like, you know, trying you to like, get to the – I could put three words together, but to get to that fourth, to actually make it sound like you're saying something? No, Luke, no.
0: So you, you're you the guy who went to McDonald's and you were like, I want that uh, that quarter pounder. I don't know if you know what that is with the metric system. Avec fromage. <laughs> is that you? <laughs> Yes, yes, Luke. Yes, that was me. Uh, yeah, RIT, you were also Club the kid great. who, when you had to say nineteen in French, you instead just said "these nuts" back to the t- <laughs> back to the teacher, weren't you? Because there were kids in my school that did that, and I'm imagining you might have been one of the ones who did it in your school. Uh, yeah, True or false? Yeah. You said no, you said these I mean, nuts.
1: No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that that alarming. You know, I'd have a, a moment a year like that, but no, I d- I wasn't that out of control.
0: All right, all right, all right. Back to the story at hand. Uh, so for, let's, let's recount this. We'll move on from Marlin, The loss to Cejudo, the win over Aldo, however controversial. Then the loss to Sanhagen Font, Wallace Wheelie, and now Song Yudong. He has lost five of his last six and all five, BC, all five by way of stoppage. Um, yep. For his own health, he probably should stop for at least a little while, but I would imagine the UFC will part with him for now.
1: Yeah, and I really hope he doesn't end up on Eagle FC's undercard. You know what I'm saying, Luke? I
0: just really hope. Which he might. Which he might. God, God help. I mean, is, is he fighting
1: um, Ray Borg next, Luke? Is I mean, is that what's happening? I mean, you know, I
0: don't. I don't think that's an unfair question. You know, they. they you know, Eagle FC is going to be an interesting addition to the to the the larger body of regional promotions, and I think for some people it'll work out well. For some, it won't. That's that's prize fighting, but you know. Um, It'll be interesting to see who gets a second or tries to get a second act on there in sadness booking, um, especially if there are already clients of uh, that whole dominance MMA group, but we'll see how that yeah,
1: goes. Yeah, Junior Dos right.
0: Santos just took the leap, Luke, okay? Yeah, against Jorgen De Castro, but see, that's a still a winnable fight for him. That's not like, I don't know if he should still be fighting based on the damage, but that's... He can win that one. That's that's not so crazy. Now, if he loses that one, then whatever. But okay, if if
1: if um, little if if, if, if uh, Eagle FC signed Little Nog, would you? Uh, would you
0: <laughs> yeah, I cute. respect I respect a guy that trained with the Cuban boxing team. Like, you know, okay. Uh,
1: maybe I'll maybe, maybe I'll through. see you on high court one day,
0: Luke. Okay. Yeah, maybe I will get, get your Delta Eights. All right. Point number three here, BC. This was I won't say the best combat sports event of the weekend because there was a lot of competition for that. But certainly on the MMA side, if you go to Eagle FC, Bellator, and UFC, to me, this is the runaway best main event of those three, certainly, of the weekend. And what a fight it was. In your Bellator 276 main event, a featherweight contest between two fighters, both 28 years old, both tied at the time. We'll see where it ends up. But both at the time of the fight, tied for second in that division at featherweight, behind Patricio Pitbull, who was, of course, behind A.J. McKee and B.C. These two guys... Went to absolute war. Now, Boric secured the unanimous decision victory, and I thought the 50-45 scorecard was atrocious. At a bare minimum, I thought that bare minimum, Burnell got one, maybe two of those rounds. I thought Boric was the rightful winner. Please don't misunderstand me. 50-45 is a little egregious. Nevertheless, what a fight. What a pairing. What a style of fight. This is one of those like phone booth fights that you see much more Commonly in boxing, where two guys are literally head to head and just digging punches to the yeah, body, but, BC. But not a brawl. It it was no, like, but not a brawl. So let me let me, short, let me pitch to you. It was too technical, it, to which made it even let better in a way. way Luke. Let let me let me you know? let me pitch it to you. BC. Did Borich show you enough to make you think he has a reasonable chance against the winner of Pitbull Mckee? 2?
1: That was the key question you wanted answered, Luke. So, did it show me that he can? You know that he's on the same level. No, but it showed me that he's got a fighting chance at whoever that is, and it showed me that it's going to be a we're in we're in a great position. You know, what I mean, obviously if Pitbull beats McKee, that could go right back into a trilogy, and we have to we may have to wait a bit. But to get Boric against the winner, that that's a great fight, and Boric, I think without question, stepped up to another level. But Luke, before I can go too deep into this, I want you to answer one question though, because okay. we just talked about how, how it was so enjoyable to watch. It was a high-level, skilled, almost brawl, but just really a great, fun fight to watch. But it was that way because Burnell bit down on the mouth guard and was basically like, I'm going to box life or death with you here. And to his credit, Luke, he's a damn good boxer. But he wasn't shooting, Luke. So do you go back and say, great performance by Boric, hell yeah. It made a great fight to watch, hell yeah. But I'm not sure Burnell gave him himself the best chance to win and i don't say that to doc boric i just want to know if you believe that's fair based on the skills you know on the ground is where he was going to have potentially the most level of success and he didn't willingly try to go down there i don't think more than what once i did did he even shoot Luke?
0: he tried for several takedowns along the fence yeah but they got stuffed you don't remember that (laughs) Uh,
1: apparently not. I, I was speed watching Luke. I, I, I saw one pit takedown attempt.
0: but uh... I, I will say this for your question because I do think there's a little bit of element of truth to it. Let, I'll tell you how I scored this fight. I saw it as 4-1 for Boric. But BC we've talked about this. It is possible to lose a fight 50-45 and for all five of those rounds to be razor thin. You could see it for the same guy in all five but a 50-45 doesn't tell you that the guy necessarily got his ass beat or that it wasn't close. So I did score 49-46 for Boric, but that wouldn't tell you about a lot of the great work that Boric was doing, particularly as you saw BC, he would slip off the center line and then rip those left hands to the body. Oh, he was yeah. chewing uh, Boric up. He actually got away from it, which I think cost him maybe that fight a little bit late. But to answer your question, these guys were pretty evenly matched. Boric a little bit ahead and really pushed it on late in that fourth and fifth round. But I will t- there's a takedown right there. You just saw it, or at least a semi-attempted one.
1: I don't know, Luke. I but I mean he, I get I get what he's trying to set up. What there. I was
0: gonna say, what I was gonna say, BC, what I was gonna say is if he went at it a second time with a much more wrestle heavy approach, do I think he could have better success? Yes, I do. I don't think it's fair to say that like he didn't try in the wrestling, but I do think that he didn't emphasize it maybe enough as he could have.
1: He was focused on winning the fight on the feet 100% if that was what he had to do. I just think he didn't have to do that. But to his credit, Luke, I'm sure he stuck with it because he thought he was winning. And even though I don't think 50-45 is an outrage because it was each round was so damn competitive, I do feel like Boric had a stronger argument in every single round to have won it. So I wonder if Burnell... I don't know, did he think he was just going to outlast boards? Did he think he was going to take him into those championship rounds on the feet and just wear him down to, you know, exhaustion and, 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 and to set up for a knockout? I'm not sure, Luke. I love the body attack from Brunell, but, I mean, I guess he thought he was up, Luke. I guess he thought he had a stronger argument for having won it because he stayed in that pocket and just committed. And, um, you know, his face told the story, I think, in a lot of ways. But as much as I love the guts of Burnell and I love the body attack, it just didn't seem like that was the win, the, the most winnable path for him. Uh, maybe he felt something I didn't in the clinch that would let him know that the takedowns weren't going to be as easy. But all in right. all, Luke, whatever, wherever you stand on that petty side argument, Borch made a leap 100% against lesser skilled guys. He's going to finish him with something crazy because those knees are, are potent and they come out of nowhere, Luke. But he's showing, I think, a, a, a much better, better, well-rounded game, even though he wasn't on his back in this fight. Um, he's ready, okay? Okay. Would you favor him to win? No, but he's ready, Luke, and that's going to be fun to watch his next step.
0: So the question was Did he show you enough to make you think he has a chance against either Pitbull or Marquis? Yes, he has a chance. Yes, and more than just a puncher's one. That's absolutely, you know, did he overwhelm and just absolutely bludgeon Mads Brunel and put a huge distance between himself and the rest of the division? No, not in that sense. But the way he turned it on in rounds four and five with the offense was big. The way in which he was able to adapt and change some things about how he was fighting for um, the third round on was big. Now again, Mads Brunel not going back to the leg kicks as much as I thought he could. Letting go of the body shots, was I, I don't know what happened there. He has a high guard. I'll tell you what I think happened, BC. He has a high guard. He's actually pretty good at slipping punches and countering. I think he thought, I'm going to put in a certain amount of effort on takedowns. And if they're not there, that's fine because my stand-up is very good. And to be fair... Mads Burnell does have very underrated standup. I thought this fight showcased that fact, even if he came up on the losing end of things. But it just so happened that Boric not only had leveled up as a technician, he had also leveled up in terms of intensity and was ready. Dude, Boric fought the overwhelming majority of that fight backing up and then kind of, uh, at least doing lateral movement side to side. That's an, an awful, difficult way to fight. And he was still the one who was able, at least to me, BC, from that third round on, to put some distance between himself and Mads Brunel. Yeah. A little bit more of a jab, a little bit more of a push kick. And Burnell just couldn't adjust around it. That kind of stuff that Boric was showing at age 28. Do I favor him to beat Pitbull and No. But you bet your ass I take his chances very seriously.
1: And and I agree with that. And But the argument is, is really based on the striking and his... Just full ability on the stand-up. Because even though he has the threat of the kicks, he won this fight with his boxing. I mean, it was brilliant. It was it was smooth. It was crisp. Everything about it, I loved. But Luke, as much as, look, he'll, he'll be an underdog against Pitbull or McKee. Do you think there's potential he gets, like, solved like that on the ground, though? Because that's kind of what happened in the Caldwell loss, correct?
0: Yes. Caldwell was on him, like... Like white on rice. Yeah. You know,
1: you wonder if we get all excited about what him and McKee, for example, might look like. And McKee just looks at that and goes, Oh, I'm taking this MF for down right away and and, and throw some Spider-Man jujitsu at him. And and you know, I don't know if if Borch has fully fully proven that side of it yet, Luke, on this elite level before that fight. But guess what? He got here anyway. So let's
0: see what happens. Uh, fair enough. For Mads Burnell, twenty eight years old what would you say would be an appropriate next? I'll pull up the rankings here real quick for the Bellator featherweight division if I can. I would love to know what you think. I made this point, BC. If you take out Patricio Pitbull, which, of course, is a very relevant name, but what I'm trying to point out is from the champion to the first, and there's two tied at second, third, fourth, and fifth, here are your fe- oh, your featherweights. They're all, from five on up, they're all under the age of 30. Pedro Carvalho, Aaron Pico, Adam Boric, Mads Brunell. Fusio Pitbull, AJ McKee, BC, a Burnell-Pico fight. I know I think Pico's got business coming up, but a, the, if he gets past that, Burnell and Pico, that is I one mean, hell I of mean, a that's,
1: contest. <laughs> Dude, that's a fight, man. That is, there's some gamble on the... Even though Pico, it's like, how many more wins do you want Pico to get before he's going to really step up? That argument is in play right now. 100%. But that is pretty yes. damn dangerous for Pico, you know? Because because yes. it's going to be a... it's going to. Dude, that's going to be on the feet. That is going to be a slugfest, Luke. And Brunel's going to believe in his boxing and be swimming on the inside. Um, damn, dude, that's aggressive matchmaking. I like that, you, Luke. Put, let's do it. Okay, you know, you know what? There's no reason to potentially be smirched, little nog, any longer. Let's take that out of the equation. I agree with that, Luke.
0: Fair enough, uh, BC. Anyone else from this card impress you at all? Uh, I thought you were going to go in terms
1: of their looks or performance. Uh, Luke, that was a freaking Okay, look, you can't go too much farther down before— Obviously, shout-out Phil Davis. Did what he had to do. Luke, I didn't see any holes. He's 37. He's he's not overly exciting, but I think Phil Davis still contends with everybody in this division after that Julius Angliscus win. I don't think there's much more to say about that, but dude— Johnny Eblen is everything you said he was, Luke, and then some. And this was a good-ass, strong, solid performance against John Salter, and I like that. You know, he had to fight off a of submission there, but, like, this dude's country's strong, Luke. He's coming. He's coming on, dude.
0: He, he can I mean, wrestle. It, He's full he, of confidence. Did he just um, win a
1: damn title shot, Luke? I think he did, right? You beat the number one guy. Yeah,
0: you know what? And I got to give credit to Josh Thompson. A lot of times, you know, MMA commentators are always like, uh, you know, a fighter is never bad, they're only good. And of course, there was only good things to say about Johnny Eblen after this. But I agree with Josh Thompson. even if he's at the top of this division by virtue of the win because I think Salter was ranked number one and Eblen, I think was ranked two or three, something like that, he moves to that top spot, but I don't think he's as good as he has been and he has been one of the most unheralded top contenders in MMA. If 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 Musasi is next, that is a gigantic step up, and I want to be fair to Musasi and I want to be fair to Johnny Eblen, but as good as Eblin has been, you know, to go from what he's been taking on, where Salter understand something, Salter was by far Eblin's toughest test to date, and Eblin passed it basically no problem. But Musasi is several levels above even that. That seems like a little. He needs uh, maybe one or even two more, even if he's sitting at the top spot. BC before yeah. he's ready for Masasi,
1: I, I I think that's right. You know, you wonder though, if, if he, if he, if it just makes sense and it's him next, but um, that's a strong ass performance, Luke. And we probably don't have footage to put with it, but Cody law, dude, I know this is yeah. lower level prelim matchmaking, but that featherweight, uh, minute 17 to knock out James Adcock. Uh, he's, he seems like a guy to watch. Luke
0: Cody law is a hammer. If you guys are not paying attention to him now, you're going to hear about he him soon is. enough right there. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- he's athletic. He can wrestle. He's with a good team. You know, this dude has everything you would want at this stage of his career. Now, granted, he's unranked and it's very, very early. This is that comparative advantage that Bellator has. Find the really good ones early. Give them some, you know, time to get good, like they did with AJ McKee. And not everyone's going to turn out like AJ McKee, but uh, AJ McKee turned out pretty good. So you can follow that blueprint. You can get a lot out of dude, this it. This guy's I would also got a say-
1: motor, bro. He, this guy can go, man.
0: I would also say, BC, uh, <coughs> New Zealand's JJ Wilson did lose against Godzi Rabadanov or Rabadonov, however you say it. But I'll say this: <coughs> he showed a lot of a lot of a scrambling ability, a lot of promise. Rabadanov is a very tough customer. Had, had uh, we talked about, it, had twice as much experience as JJ Wilson, but JJ Wilson found ways to persevere, hang on, and <coughs> show that like, okay, this was a little too much right now in his career. But it may not be in a couple of years when he's got, you know, let's say three, maybe five more fights under his belt. He has some ability, even though, congrats to Robotinov, you know, the better wrestler, the, the the veteran experience, definitely, you know, showed itself here.
1: And wasn't Robotinov a Team Habib guy?
0: Yeah, he had an abdul shirt on afterwards in the <clears throat> cage. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Dude, what am I choking on? Uh, <clears throat> success, Luke? Um, I, I agree what you're saying about the... Uh, do you pronounce that Maori kid? Maori kid, Luke. I-, I can't pronounce anything. Maori, Maori, maybe Maori. Uh, Luke, the the Maori kid, he's got that um that spark. He's got so so yeah. This was you know you got to learn from this, and it was his first fight at lightweight. But I think that he's going to be good in this division, and I think there's that f- he's got the fighting spirit, man. He's got to round it out a bit more, but. I, I think we're gonna hear from him, Luke. So it it was uh, it's weird. It's weird to be like, okay, yeah, I lost, but hey, all good moving forward. But it kind of feels like that.
0: Yeah, uh, and again, <clears throat> Phil Davis. It's like, dude, he went. I mean, on the on the feet, him and Anglicus were pretty even, but on the ground, dude, you know, Anglicus <laughs> stuffed a couple of takedowns, but like once they got there, like Phil is still strong as shit. He's do he was going for knee on belly, which you know. That's hard to hold, hard to do. That usually indicates a big skill differential. I was I was still, I, Phil Davis is still impressive.
1: I'm going to say something, and you're going to think it's me insulting him, but hear me out, Luke. Do you think, first of all, he's in absurd physical shape right now. So shout out to him for first remaining just, you know, elite as hell across the board. But for as frustrating as he could be at times during his UFC run and during his title and then this most recent run here, uh, you know, with the Nemkov fights at the highest level in Bellator, You're always like, man, I wish he just did more. I wish he threw more. I wish he tried more. I wish he emptied the tank more. Do you think all of those have added up to where he's going to have one of these careers where he can just hang on and be elite for a long-ass time, maybe into his 40s, because he always kind of held back just a little bit, Luke? And he's responsible (laughs) defensively,
0: you know? I think you think that, right?
1: I'm just, I know that's, like, unfair, but it, that might be true. Look, this is a today of truths, okay? I'm sorry. if, Dude, if if I get... I mean, do you think I'm afraid Little Nog's coming after me? Is that the situation right now, Luke?
0: I don't think you're afraid Little Nog is coming after you. Okay. I don't.
1: I mean, it's okay. All you have to tell is the people, elite or not elite. Look, just say it, okay?
0: You are not elite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We move to point number four here, BC. This was an interesting one. All right. So Kevin Lee maybe got injured from the very first kick. That's not an exaggeration. We don't know what the full medical diagnosis is, but he was he was on shaky legs almost immediately, but he did manage to score a unanimous decision victory against Diego Sanchez. BC, how do you interpret a result where Diego lost and lost fairly, but overperformed relative to expectations, and Kevin Lee won, but underperformed, but was also... Maybe pretty badly injured.
1: Remember when I when we both agreed the JJ Wilson loss was almost like, don't worry about it, it's kind of a win in the in the long run. This is a win that is kind of a loss in the long run. Because you're not, you know, you're only supposed to knock Diego Sanchez the hell out and not take anything in return. And then you package, you know, I mean Lee won and he was dominant, but but he, you know, he didn't maybe do what you expected him to do with this type of matchmaking, and then you get seriously injured on top of that. Dude, I mean I'm the I'm the last guy with long with you holding that flagpole atop the hill as the storm's coming down, Luke, and the beaches of Normandy are being invaded. And I'm saying, nah, brah, future champion, Kevin Lee. And I and I know that's comedic, and we have come down to earth on this run, you know, and saying, look, I mean, he's young enough to still make something happen. But Luke, you know, you 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 put in bad luck like this. It just, it just felt like a flat tire, dude. I just I can't get excited.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, I didn't love this bout either. Uh, listen, okay, I thought Kevin was going to go in there and dust him. And on the ground, Kevin did look good, even with that banged-up knee. Like, this is the only thing I'll say about it. Um, con- well, not the only thing, but the major takeaway I have is that congrats to Diego. He definitely overperformed. He definitely only had a very short camp. I know he was training with Frank Lester and a couple other guys, and you know, given all those considerations, he turned in what I would consider to be a very admirable performance. I'll say that. And Kevin Lee, again, on the ground was just, you know, significantly better here. Um I'll also say I'm willing to give Kevin Lee a mulligan for a lot of reasons, you know, getting cut from the UFC and new weight class, and he got injured right away, and that injury could be real bad. We'll see. The only thing I want to point out is I can't tell if the way Kevin Lee was striking was... um fully a function of the injury he had suffered or was some accommodation for it. But like, he's still not fainting at all. And I, again, I want to be clear about this. It is not that I know better. It is not that I am anyone's coach. It is not that anyone needs to take the specific advice I recommend or things I say and put them into action. I'm merely voicing an opinion based on observations, but my observation is BC. There is a, it's not that the best ones only do it and the, and everyone else doesn't, but one of the problems he had against Al Quinta was he was just jousting with him. There was almost no setup, and Al was, over time, able to make all these reads and then tear him up as a consequence. Now, Kevin might have gone back to that because of this injury. That could be real, time off, who knows. But I didn't see any change from that. And I think, while I'm certainly willing to say this fight, you can not throw it out, but it's hard to make a whole lot of it, given all the factors. Nevertheless, that did catch my eye, and it does make me wonder about the future where Kevin on the ground is a nightmare. But on the gro- on the feet, I'm just not, to this point, injury, okay, you know, makes it difficult to make a read, BC. But I'll just say, I'm a little bit worried about the development in the striking department at this point, like officially worried. And I need yeah. to see more to, to see what happens.
1: It, and it's hard because you know this win or even potentially, depending on the level of competition, of course, let's give Habib credit, he is finding some names out there and he's going to obviously produce some... Schmeshers coming up that we never heard of that are gonna end up going to the UFC one day. But this is you know, going down to this level for Kevin Lee and, and you know, he may be their Eagle FC's one hundred sixty five pound champion soon if they have that and he comes back from injury. But it's not like he's gotta really use this as J V, as minor league baseball, as training camp, as like I gotta retool myself. And look, the knee injury again, it's like it's not his fault, Luke. And he fought through it and didn't have a disaster in the end, but you know, the matchmaking didn't necessarily do him a lot of help in any situation. Even if he looked great, it wouldn't. The matchmaking wouldn't have done him a lot of help because people would have not counted it as a good win. But yeah, I got to see all these changes at this level, and I got to see them look. I got to, you know, you got to make me fall for those changes at this level. You got to make me get back out on that hill with the flag and tell you, no, Kevin Lee's coming on, he's back, you know. And, that, and certainly, for all the reasons we mentioned, this performance didn't accomplish that. But damn, dude, I mean. Luke, in three years, is he back in the UFC or headlining BKFC? Don't answer that because it's an unfair question. It's not fair at all, Luke. Life isn't fair. Damn.
0: <laughs> it is an unfair question. By the way, I didn't realize this on Friday because you know I can barely keep my brain working properly. Did you realize Eagle FC will not <clears throat> sign women?
1: They
0: don't right, have a women's this... division or com- competitions at all. I
1: never thought of that, Luke. This is—I never thought of that, but uh, it, you appear to be
0: correct. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's his fight promotion. He can do what he wants with it. And uh, not everyone has to have women, but, you know, I'm guessing that the reasons for their exclusion under scrutiny would not necessarily hold up all that well. But
1: yeah, you never know. I mean, it, like in boxing, PBC doesn't have a women's division, you know? It just sort of is what it is.
0: Yes. Are they doing it because of. Um, guilty to religious edicts or because they can't yeah i get
1: i mean I, I obviously get the extreme of what you're saying luke i'm just trying to i'm trying to give habib a, a chance a benefit of the doubt Listen, it's his
0: fight promotion he can do what he wants so, you know it, luke, no in the court of
1: public opinion what do you think like what do you, is habib you think in the court of public opinion among like fans like he's not teflon by any means and you know there's going to be people that just look at him and because of <laughs> Where he comes from he a religion. Was, he, was the gonna only, hate on... he was
0: the only Russian who didn't get booed at UFC <clears throat> two seventy seven. Well, that's what I'm
1: saying. His like he's so respected for all the right reasons, loved for all the like all that. And his his record in the cage and the way he handles himself. But like he doesn't really have too many black marks. Like, would you call the two twenty nine brawl afterwards a black mark? Or do you go, No, that's justified?
0: I mean, it's a little bit of a black mark, you know, taking picking <clears throat> the law into your own hands. listen, here's the thing. Ultimately, what happened ended up not being the biggest deal, but those type of situations can escalate into something truly terrible. It didn't this time, but that's the risk you run with something like that. So in that sense, yes, I consider that a black mark. And, you know, I think he's issued like proclamations about, you know, uh, like rock music or something like that in, in Dagestan that he didn't like that he thought was out of character, you know. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't put that on the same level, but certainly that's one where I was I'd be it like, eh, death eh.
1: metal. Luke was he talking about death metal? No, Maybe don't he don't is think the think goat. Was, I, don't,
0: I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it was that. But the point I'm trying to make is he stays for the large part very much out of trouble. He doesn't, for the most part, bother anybody. He doesn't have run-ins with the law. He doesn't live a live a life where he's you know eating a hamburger that's falling apart as he's drunk on a carpet like David Hasselhoff. He lives a pretty. <laughs> straightforward and, and clean life and so he gets to stay out of trouble as a consequence i keep i keep killing Hasselhoff for that but it, it, i'm sorry just, you know what can you do wow that you do?
1: him trying to navigate that sandwich was was something luke i mean that was wow <clears throat> yeah man
0: i, I know wow. i couldn't tell if i wanted to buy a burger or if i wanted to just hose him off and de-louse him i couldn't yeah, tell but yeah.
1: Um, Luke, bad. did you um did you like the Ray Borg Ricky Bendejas uh, extravaganza? Because it was it was a, it was a spirited was
0: effort. Forth, yeah, it was a back and forth affair for a little while. Ray Borg proving to be a little bit more of a competitive talent than I think what has reputationally followed him, given some of his you know sort of tragic life circumstances and um and uh, some difficulties in the cage. But he's a talented fighter, Bendejas too. But he's a talented fighter, and that win was not surprising. Indeed, and Luke, I'll say this like.
1: Uh, and by the way, our guy Ray Flores was doing uh, announcing for for this promotion over the weekend, so shout out to him. But they assemble that all star cast. Does that mean anything to you? I think it's it's a strong move by Habib to have Cejudo, Usman, Chael all you know up in the vi- you know the, up in the video, so to speak, all like hosting that roundtable thing they do, being the 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 commentators and such. Um, I know there's other people as well that they rotate in, but dude, like you're only going to have a certain level of matchmaking at this at this it's not that the it's not that this is day one of Habib's promotion it's already been going on but bringing it to the U.S it's day one on Habib's promotion in a lot of ways Luke
0: yeah so I far
1: mean... for for the hand he's dealt and the limitations of his size and the fact that yes he's putting out wash fights to try to rely on that to move the tickets he's done pretty damn well Luke you know I like sure. I like the I like sure. it I, I like what I've seen
0: yeah, I thought the first event was—I mean, it's 46, but I mean under this. Well, it's not even the first event, but this sort of uh, this was the first bigger event I think they put on since some of the new deals and uh, with this 165-pound main event. Yes, I think that they have done some very interesting things so far. I don't really have much of an issue with it um, at all. It's again, they're a good entrant into this larger um, regional market. Don't, getting back to the question about the booth, though, there was too many voices. You had Cejudo, Usman, Chael and the play-by-play guy, and not that the four of them couldn't do it well, in the sense that like we keep a conversation flowing and say interesting things, but it ended up sounding directly like a fight companion because there are four voices. That's way too many. Also, you can cut your costs by axing a couple of those guys and just having a play and a color, and you could save on that, but, you know.
1: But the thing is, though, Luke, and this is why I defend it, is it perfect? Is it hilarious? No. Is it better, though, than... I don't know who they would have gotten instead, but let's say it's a it's a step down level. It's it's more entertaining than that to me. I'd you know I don't I don't hate it, Luke. It is a fight companion. You're damn right of this, but uh, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll,
0: I'll... which is which is great if that's what you want. But but
1: the transition obviously for Habib has to be away from the the carnival fight, and you know, but it takes time to build up names. Let's see if he can ever get a free agent who's within their prime still. That's the big get for any level. Yeah, here's the thing
0: though, court. like just to tell fans, like, <clears> why would you set up business in Florida? A couple of reasons. One. I know folks don't want to hear this and we'll see what happens, but there are some indications that a a new wave of COVID is coming in Europe, which means it'll probably hit here at some point. What it will look like and how bad it will be, I have no fucking idea. But the point I'm trying to make is Florida will be, I won't say like, you know, uh, it it won't be COVID resistant, but in terms of the business practices, it will allow you to stay open in the event that there is another flare up seasonally or whatever the fuck happens. That's one. Two, they're obviously going to be accommodating from a business standpoint. They had the mayor of, um, Miami making several remarks directed just for the Eagle FC audience and Eagle FC event, so they clearly have a good relationship with the city there. But the point being is here, you don't go to Florida if you're not interested in putting on fights that maybe other commissions wouldn't put on, period. That doesn't mean all of them. That doesn't mean every time. In fact, the vast majority of them I thought were fine and will be fine. Again, JDS versus Jorgen Castro, I think that's probably winnable in either direction, so it's okay. But, dude, you don't set up business in Florida if you're like, we're going to put on you know we're not going for the carnival fights that's what you go to florida for man that's that's why you go there that's what lives there don't you think um a little too yeah. ironic
1: no i mean i it makes everything you're saying it, ma- it makes sense luke i've been there um i did want to ask you does it make any sense though in terms of habib's end game like is the best end game scenario him like Merging with a PFL or Bellator, you know what I mean, or is it, or is it to Ooh. be a, a regional one that sets people up for the UFC?
0: It's a good question. Well, here's the thing: this is why I like the 165 pound division. One is just good to get these tweeners, but BBC, he's is... <laughs> oh, I caught myself in a Peter Griffin moment. Did I not? Yes, I did. A BBC, okay, but number two. Brian Campbell, um, he's got to do something different. He has to do something different. If you're just trying to do what Bellator is also doing or PFL is also doing, maybe you try some tournament bullshit or whatever, you're just going to be repeating what they're doing. What is a meaningful alternative that you can offer? Well, one of those things can be, among others, you can recruit from a certain part of the world and give them access to this American market. That can help your talent pipeline. The other one can be, we're going to play with weight classes a little bit in areas where it might make sense, 165 is the most sense possible, and we're going to sort of market that as a potential alternative for for burgeoning fighters. That, to me, is very interesting and a real path to something not by itself sustainable, but part of a larger effort sustainable.
1: So don't be like indoor football league and change all the rules radically and let that be your gimmick. Don't do that shit.
0: Yes, yes, don't do that shit. But, okay. but playing with the margins a little bit, I think, um, can be impactful. All right, B.C., last but not least, people are calling this, now granted, we're only in March, but it's an early contender for, at least on the boxing side of things, fight of the year. Lee Wood and Michael Conlon. What is this, B.C.? 126. What is that? Featherweight
1: in boxing? This was for Wood's uh, WBA featherweight title, and it's not that, like, this wasn't on our radar, but we didn't preview it last week for a reason. We just thought it would be, like, you know, another fight. It wasn't another fight, Luke. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, oh, my not God. Not
0: at all. Not at all. So, first of all, the, the zone, I thought, did a great job. I, I don't know if Carl Froch has ever commentated a British fighter he thought was losing, but neither here nor there. He and the other donk did a good job, like, making the atmosphere what it was. The fans were fucking bananas. dude. The walkouts was... were bananas.
1: Dude, tell me when you're watching that, you're like, I'm not high, but I'm high, bro. Like, this is everything I wish life was.
0: This yeah, sport. I want to be in a crowd like that. I want to be mean, in a look, crowd like that. mean,
1: as great as UFC crowds are, Luke, and UFC crowds at, you know, at the at the highest level, Vegas pay-per-view are insane. They, they, they don't have that though. They don't have that organic thing that the UK and Ireland has right now for combat sports, Luke. And damn do they love their boxers. Holy shit. This was yeah, in right. Nottingham, England. So, Lee Woods the champion Michael Conlon, though, from Ireland is unbeaten. And, look, he's that guy from the 2016 Olympics who uh, gave the middle fingers to the judges when he felt he was screwed. Uh, I've, had, I've had
0: Conlon in studio a couple of times. I like him.
1: And, and look, it, he's a great kid, but he was getting to this point while still unbeaten where we were all like, okay, dude, he's a fun boxer, but I don't see, fin- I don't see knockout power, and I just don't see him making that leap. Like, Like, he may never really, really, really get there. And then he comes out in this fight, Luke. His first title fight. Got to travel to England for it, and and he's in his opponent's backyard. But yet, there's fans of both there, and they respect all. Um, dude, he that knockdown he scored in round one, like he came out power punching. You're like, this is a different dude. And Luke, dude, I, do I know a ton about Lee Wood. I know I've seen his fights. I don't. I'm not a Lee Wood historian. I didn't know he was made of that same metal though, Luke. To be able to rally back and and. I mean, he's down on the scorecards in round 12 and he scores one of the most storybook knockouts that we're going to reference for years to come and knocks the guy the fuck out of the ring, dude, on his head, basically in front of the lap of his dad and brother. I mean, Luke, it's just like you could look at this from like title fight between two top guys and it ended awesome. Or you can look at it just from the Rocky movie batshit craziness of it. Oh, what a freaking fight. The crowd was into us back and forth. That seventh round brawl they had was insane.
0: It was chippy. Like this was a freaking fight. Um, This was unbelievable. This was the atmosphere was unbelievable. And Conlon comes out, drops Lee at the end of the first round and let it be known even through like the third. And, well, beyond that, but certainly through the third and fourth round, BC several times not knocking Lee Wood down, but rocking him on his feet where he you know, he gets visibly shaken and his feet are unsteady and then the crowd starts to roar and then Conlon follows up a little bit. That happened several times throughout the spot. That left hand from Conlon was giving Lee Wood fits all the way through, I was going to say BC, ninth, 10th round it was still landing. And in fact, I watched the after show and they got the scores from the judges. All three judges had Conlon winning heading into the 12th but one he of needed them by the twelfth
1: three points. But he, I think Conlon needed to win the twelfth to make it a split decision win, right?
0: Um,
1: or 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 maybe making a majority decision.
0: My understanding was two of the judges had him up by well, see, he was losing the twelfth. But my understanding was two of the judges had him up by one. One had him up by three. So he okay, was, so he, he would have lost the
1: fight. He would have lost the fight uh, by split decision if he doesn't if if he loses that twelfth round. And oh, by the way, gets knocked out of the ring, Luke.
0: Yes I, well, yes, I mean, it depends on what happens at the end of the 12th round. But the point I'm trying to make is, heading into the 12th, he was up on all three, for whatever that's worth. So had he been able to take the 12th, which he was not on his way towards, then he could have coasted to a decision. The point I'm trying to make here is, B.C., he was doing really, really, really well through 10-11 rounds. But, dude, Lee Wood, He did not impress me so much with his tactical acumen, although the body work late in that fight, was really what set it all up. Conlon had nowhere to hide. Conlon's evasive movement, it reminded me of a very different version, but the same kind of core concept, BC, between Canelo and Caleb Plant. Again, two different fighters, two different weight classes, two different, everything's different about it, except Canelo had to do a lot of body work to finally get to a place where he could do the rest of what he wanted to to Caleb Plant. Dude, Lee Wood had to go over and over and over to the body, and a lot of that meant putting himself in the line of fire and getting buzzed and tuned up and just crushed with heavy shots. But he stayed with it, finally was able to pressure Conlon against the ropes in that 11th and 12th round. And then you saw the ending there, dude, in front of his family, sends him through the ropes after being down on the cards. The kind of competitive will and mental fortitude Lee Wood had to have in that moment is shared by only, only, only not the skill so much, BC. Although that's there too, but that will, that dog in him is exceedingly rare, and it paid off big oh, time.
1: Um, holy shit! I mean, and then uh, just to show you his character, then he was sh- show. They didn't know if Colin was okay, and Conlon was down for a long time and got you know medical personnel and got removed. And luckily, the videos afterwards, and he wants a rematch. And all you know, like, he's bad. He's good, but he fell out of the ring on the back of his head, more or less, where, you know, there's no video of it, or at least that they showed, but, um, and you had the winner refusing to celebrate and telling the crowd to go down. And even in the post fight interview being like, you know, we hope Michael's okay. And not really focusing on himself. So shout out to him as a sportsman for that. First of all, but damn Luke. I mean, like it's, it's, it's easy to say, to see why a fight like this is great for boxing and it builds momentum. But Luke, right now, and you can argue last year was great for boxing, right? Right now we're in the season that part of why boxing is so good right now and don't, you know, oh, boxing's dead. Okay, we'll hear that every other year for sure, right? Believe it. Believe it. And some, uh, some of those other <laughs> years, I might believe it, but you get my point. Um, it's because we have a, a large group of sub-elite fighters who want so badly to prove that they're elite. George Cambosis, Lee Wood, Uh, You know, I mean, like we're seeing this happen more and more. People are going for it right now. And I don't know what happened, Luke. It's not that there's never, you know, a sub-genre of of active boxers that are willing to do that. You know, obviously, when it gets to the elite level, though, it wakes you up more. And we just have a a badass bunch at the moment. And there's an old-school spirit that's coming back around again right now in the sport that was gone during the Klitschko and Mayweather era, even though I'm not, like, blaming them for it but it was sort of like a somewhat sterilized run where we had a lot of guys get into elite fights and just go oh i'm not gonna win this okay i'm just gonna not get hurt you know what i'm saying we get people that are going for it right That's now interesting
0: what so why do you think it does it turn like that often like every 10 years it just kind of changes or what, what i mean do you, what do you estimate is the reason why everything has turned in the direction that it has
1: well first of all everything's cyclical and in, re- in general right second of all you know, sometimes trends can change. I mean, why is why is the UK on fire right now for boxing? Because you know, you could argue Dude, we that we got to go
0: and do an MK show in 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 the UK. We really, remember really got to remember I did do it. Ever I the last
1: gimmick thing, and I I said Luke over under five thousand fans. Could we put five thousand in for a live show with big name guests? You're damn
0: right, we could. Okay, I bet we could. Yeah.
1: Okay, but look, like, okay, everything's cyclical. We know that, but sometimes. Like trends happen. Like, why is you why why is the UK so on fire for boxing? Maybe you go back to the 2012 Olympic class and Anthony Joshua, was just this wave of momentum and look at what it's doing now. You know, sometimes you get that in boxing and it and it gives birth to different things. I think when Floyd Mayweather and Al Heyman learned how to beat the game for the for the truly elite number one guy, and you know, obviously, like they didn't invent that. Sugar Ray Leonard was paid more than anyone, you know, in his time ever. You know, I mean, uh, this, he had a smart manager. They were ahead of it. But this era's version of that, when Al Heyman figured out how to minimize the middleman of the promoter and put an, a star fighter like a Floyd in, in more position to call the shots and get more of the purse, which are all very good things. But the, the negative fallout of that is you get a, a new generation of people that want to be boxing businessmen. And, you know, uh, who is going to stand there and say, don't be like that? when you know how dangerous the sport is and you know how many after the sport are are financially and physically damaged for as long as they last, right? I mean, it's it's the grim reality of combat sports. But I think that era, Luke, created uh, a trend and again, it wasn't in every pocket, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you're a Mexican-American boxing fan, you're like, what, tre- what trend are you talking about again? You know what I mean? Like, I've never heard of that, for sure. But um, yeah. I think it, it it was a trend, <laughs> a Luke. Yeah. And I think it's coming back around again in a, in a good direction. Hopefully, obviously, we get more promoters and counter networks being willing to work together for the super big fights, which is, we've been on a good run of that lately. So let's hope we're, we're going somewhere. This fight, great. Do we see a rematch, though, Luke? Because I think that's like, that's right. about as great as Conlon can be. Right, and he still had a okay, so, heartbreaking so,
0: defeat. So I looked at the rankings. I've got them up here for 126 BC. Obviously, Mark Maxayo has the WBC belt. Leo Santa Cruz and Lee Wood are at WBA. IBF is Kiko Martinez, and then WBO has Emmanuel Navarrete. BC Michael Conlan is still well. I mean, this is not updated, but was ranked one uh, uh, in, in, in WBA. He loses. He wants a rematch. First of all, I don't think that's the worst call in the world given he takes time off and there's medical supervision about this like you know under that consideration I'd love a rematch but if Michael Conlin can't get that fight BC what do you make about him taking on number two Brandon Figueroa
1: well well of course of course you'd love that um I don't know if it's how makeable it is now you can counter that and say well isn't Conlin a top-ranked ESPN guy and he just fought into zone for the title yeah and that's can we keep it up, folks? Let's hope we can keep doing that. Uh, could right. he fight Figueroa next? Uh, no, I mean that, that's BBC that's no. also that's also weight class above, and depends if if uh, Figueroa is leaving. Well, I guess he's still
0: ranked number two at one twenty six if he wants it. But I mean, here's the thing, BC. Like people were asking, what's next? Is he going to get a title shot in the WBO, IBF, or WBC? I don't think that he would. Granted, these are more along the lines of uh, the 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 networks and then the promoters behind them. But I'm just trying to figure out who else on this list you would like to see him if it's not a rematch.
1: Okay. You know, do you give a guy a, a little bit of a get well fight after a knockout loss that vicious? That's there's potential in that you for sure. That. Look, it may yeah, end up being that. it may end up being a fight we wouldn't want. But I think there's a reason why Team Conlon should be so aggressive to try to make a rematch. Not only for the financial potential of cashing in on how crazy that fight was in the atmosphere. Of course, yes. And if you're the promoters, as you mentioned, this is kind of hot right now. You might as well do that because if you're Lee Woods' promoter, you're going, man, no one, you know, people weren't really talking about him around the world, you know, a few days ago. Now they are, of course, let's do this rematch. But I'm wondering, Luke, if you're Team Comlin and you consider how aggressive he was because I think in his mind, Luke, to win the title, I got to be more than I've been in the past, right? I can't just be a boxer or even an aggressive boxer. I've got to stalk him. I got to walk him down. I mean, he was... As you said, slinging with that left hand, I thought there was times I thought maybe he had Wood close to being hurt again, and he's not a puncher. He just put together the accumulation of all of that and, and well-timed shots that Wood didn't see coming. But Luke, I think if you're Team Conlon, you wonder in a rematch if they committed to boxing and you tried to look. It's not going to be nearly as exciting of a fight, but you tried to slow the pace down and control it as a quick southpaw and jab and get out and all that. I wonder if that's a a uh, a, a potentially strong counter strategy that we often see by the way in rematches anytime you get an action fight with non-action fighters and I'm not saying that Leewood isn't but you get my point the rematch is always going to be way more tactical and not as fun but I wonder if Conlon could win a rematch by boxing
0: Luke what do you think dude he was every much his equal or slightly better for the majority of that fight I mean that's the reality right for as long as that fight lasted if you had to add up who was better than who in terms of the amount of time they took up winning exchanges, winning rounds, you know, essentially lording their skill over their opponent, it was close. Don't get me wrong; it was close the whole time, but Conlon was was better up until Lee Wood just kind of took that fight by the scruff of the neck. Again, Michael Conlon's medical situation—I think we need to like take a wait and see approach. I I definitely feel like both guys could make adjustments, and yes, there could be a worse. Listen. Lee Wood's finish in this fight, I'm not saying that he has peaked in terms of he'll never he'll never do other good fights or have other big wins. He'll never have a win like that again. Not many boxers ever will in their fucking lives, much less after the fact of one like this. But do I think Conlin and Wood might actually be an interesting pairing that gets you several iterations of similar but maybe different kinds of action? Um, you know, again, those adjustments, but still good? I I maybe so. I I think it might be worth considering that.
1: And I don't think we should go too much further, as much as we are here to play up the the chances Wood took to be able to win this fight and have this poor man's Corrales Castillo Rocky movie type ending, right? Like just incredible, dude. Michael Conlon showed such a dare to be great will, and and obviously toughness is his own. Didn't Conlon get dropped, Luke? It was like a questionable slip knockdown, yeah, uh, but the...
0: he he got hit, but it did look his foot is literally on top of this like. You know, you could see water had been spilled in the corner and his foot was on it. And he does get hit, but his foot slides out backwards, not even in the way in which he was hit. So it looked more like a slip to me, to me.
1: Well, he showed an incredible heart and his spirit and fight. You know, I mean, he was willing to risk it all. The The knockout obviously was so surprising because of the ropes. But look, because of that one punch, Conlon looked not, you know, not prime before that. I mean, he was, he was, Tired and and Wood was walking him down, but he looked with it, dude. That one short right hand was, you talk about perfect timing, right on the chin, short and powerful. It it turned the lights off, Luke. I mean, it just you know the parachute came out like that was, and that's you don't see those type that, of that, knockouts
0: that, often. You
1: know what I'm saying? That's like that's George also, Foreman, Michael Moore shit. You know,
0: dude. That's also why you know being up against the ropes, man. Like Tyson Fury can get away with it because he's so tall and so. uh Uh, you know, rangy, he can really lean all the way back and then use the ropes to give, to give himself. Like in the octagon, there's no give, but in the ropes, there's some give and the boxers of course, know how much give you can lean into the ropes with. The point I'm trying to make here is he, if you're evading and moving your head the whole time, eventually they might be able to, especially as you slow and your reactions get slower and they get a little bit more predictable. They can tell which side you're going to go to. He didn't just move into his own left, the right side of Lee Wood. Uh, sorry, he didn't just like get over this way. He like literally moved into the punch, BC. Like he dodged into it, so it was a perfect placement. Good read by him, and just you know, bad luck in some ways, I suppose, for Michael Conlin. And you saw the result, dude. That is a you know, you just won't see finishes like that not only every year, but not very often at all in your entire consumption time. How many times can you say BC in the twelfth round of a world title fight? You saw a guy after winning most of the fight get knocked square through the ropes it almost never happens
1: yeah and by the way almost he never. was he was out before he even got to the ropes which is why he fell through oh, yeah. it it's so crazy i mean oh, that's yeah. i mean like that's like joe smith junior finishing bernard Hopkins' career by knocking him out of the ring only this was a title fight and like two guys in their absolute right. prime and and you know maybe not as sad in that regard cuz of how ridiculously competitive this fight was but wow 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 thank you to these two thank you boxing thank you to that crowd out there luke uh Real quick, though, on Conlon, when he turned pro, he turned pro with Shakur Stevenson under the top-ranked banner, and they were from the same Olympic year, and there was this narrative in the beginning that they were eventually going to fight each other, Luke. And even though Conlon hadn't lost until this fight, Shakur Stevenson started lapping him quick in terms of the eye test, and that's why everybody stopped talking about that for a while. But shout-out to Conlon for, for, for still putting, you know, look, he exceeded my expectations, and that's why I think he deserves a rematch.
0: Fair enough. Well, that is it for our top five, B.C. It is time for us to answer the questions from the viewers. It is time for DMs from the diggity dogs. Let's uh, hee-haw. Hee-haw. haw We do it every Monday. We put up an Instagram post on Sunday, and you give us your questions. The producers then send them to us, and then we answer. All right, B.C., Let's go first to, let's see, from S. Capitalism. <laughs> I guess this must be somebody who is, um, doesn't like capitalism. After what Khalil did in on Saturday, why don't we see enough knees, kicks, and punches to the body in a ground-and-pound context? BC, may I take this one first? Please, please. Uh, it is harder to maintain control. So if you're inside control... There's a lot of ways to maintain that pressure, for example. You could do it with head pressure or shoulder pressure, rather, controlling the head. You can reach through all the way behind them, grab their armpit, pull them into you, and you can isolate the neck and the, the spine, that part of it. But you have to isolate the hips, too. That's the two ends of the rope you have to you have to control. There's a lot of ways you can do that. But one of the ways is you could take your elbow on the opposite side and then your knee on the inside, and then you kind of just wedge the body in between. Now, you don't have to do it that way. People with the gi will grab the belt and force on top. Knee on belly is that way. You have such control on the hips that you know you can you can sometimes uh, relent some control up top. You get the idea. You have to control for both of those. When you begin to move your knee away, if the rest of your control is not airtight or where it needs to be, they can begin to move underneath you. So you have to do it in context where you're not where if someone is super squirmy underneath they need to be controlled a little bit more, and I think that's why. But also, BC, people just don't use it as much as they could even in open circumstances. Like, Khalil Roundtree had a guy he pushed away who was getting up. A lot of guys wait until they stand to fire a head kick. Khalil Roundtree just does it. He goes right to the body right away, right? Just before they even have a chance to move. Yeah, He just kicks them right away. So it's just also a prioritization thing. Yeah, I mean, I would have to think, the the fear of
1: submission or, or being you know caught badly out of out of position uh is part of it but um dude that's just some i mean look we will we'll see the highlight and have you seen this shit but can we just talk now about khalil roundtree who had a great win in this fight a violent his shit win over what carl roberson um yeah. his sharing his story and doing it so impassionately in in the interview then the post fight presser and i know a lot of the people at, like Aaron Bronsted on twitter started to tell i've never heard any of that stuff luke uh, in terms of ever hearing his, like, I've covered his fights. I just don't remember seeing that deeply or maybe watching long interviews where he got into it and maybe he didn't get into it before and I, or I missed it. But uh, it's <laughs> an inspiring shit, Luke.
0: Super. Had a, you know, a lot of these guys have not had it easy one, one way or the other for whatever thing life threw at them and have tra- had to find ways to overcome his was the tragic death of his father. I'm sure there were a lot of other things that went along with that including but not limited to the weight gain which compounds other problems about self-doubt and everything else uh and he has worked through to get to a point where and by the way he almost retired as well you know he has found a lot of times some difficulty has found him but he has he has he has persevered through not merely self-belief but just through action by getting out in the world and 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 um you know finding was... finding re- uh, finding sal- salvation through effort you know
1: I mean, when, when you when you hear him say I was, you know, 300 pounds and and doing nothing and, you know, depression and, and you know, like there's two ways you go when you hit those crossroads, Luke. And and uh to, to see him make it, but but be that be that emotional, rightfully so, and sharing it, it. God, that's I mean, Luke, you know, it's like it's forget so damn relatable. It's like it just makes me want to put the running shoes on and go out there. You know what I'm saying?
0: I hear you, bro. Also, one little note on the ground and pound. I forget who Kevin Randleman did it to, but it was in Pride. Remember, in Pride, you can knee the head of a downed opponent, not just the body. The question here is the body. I forget who it is. I'm going to try and find it. If someone knows it, leave a comment. There is one fight that Kevin Randleman has in Pride where he not only knees the head of a downed opponent, he actually goes vertical while on the ground and then knees straight down, bop, bop, back to back, two knees, one right after the other. One of the more athletic, incredible things you'll ever see. I'll try and find exactly who that was. He did that to. Uh, BC, from Z Riggs. Would making all high-level MMA contests five rounds lead to better scorecards, championship fights staying the same, non-championship fights being five three-minute rounds? What do you think?
1: No. I mean, would you get a... Would you, Would you be... Would you be more likely given the distance to find out answers in fights that could create finishes or a one-sided finish that wouldn't matter on the scorecards? Maybe percentage-wise, but when the very elite face the very elite, it doesn't change whether you go three or five in terms of the potential for uh, you know odd-numbered scoring here, Luke. No. And no.
0: Well, you, you might in this sense, BC, you might in the sense that like, if you have three minutes, it might be easier to judge terms of the action than five it's two less minutes you have to judge so there might be a little bit clearer a complexion of what's happening but you'll probably get worse MMA so yeah your judging might get somewhat more clear-eyed but it'd be clear-eyed because you made MMA shittier so no thanks (laughs) right
1: clear eyes full heart can't lose Luke right Texas forever Uh,
0: street Texas, not for me um all right at david underscore spangler you know what they do in texas that i respect luke you ask them a direct question
1: about little nog they'll tell you the truth i mean that's just uh you know that's notch, the texas a, way
0: right there notch above luke. everything's bigger in texas and we tell the truth about little nog that's what they that's what they're known for in that state all right what meaningful differences do you see in Pereira's style compared to izzy striking wise for better or worse in terms of mma
1: yeah, Luke, are you doing an extra credit? Can we talk about this man?
0: Uh, we can talk about it. I probably will do an extra credit on him, but yes, uh, we can talk about it. What, what, did, what did you, you think?
1: think of the of the performance against Bruno
0: Silva? I thought it was... Yeah, I mean, listen, um, there's a great video by uh, Gabriel Vargas. Or Varga? Varga. as his name, excuse me. Varga. He's a Canadian kickboxer, and he explained that that style of kickboxing that Izzy has, that evasive style... It's not so suited for kickboxing as you might imagine, but it is very suited for MMA. The reasons he goes through them about in terms of combination work and the, the, the defense and, and everything else that goes behind it. There are reasons why guys don't do that as much in regular kickboxing and why people who have that style, that can have great success, but it will maybe potentially limit them a little bit. But it's very valuable for MMA conversely, I guess my point I would try to make is I am in no way an expert on Alex Pereira, although it's funny. I covered him in the last man standing tournament. I was there, and the hype in him at the time was not nearly as big. He really turned himself into something, not in that so much in that tournament, but after that fact. But his style, I think, is much better for kickboxing, but it, I'm not going to say it limits him in MMA. That's not quite right, but um, I don't think it translates quite as nimbly. It doesn't do him as many favors, even though he has significant ability uh, relative to the style that um, Adesanya was importing based on some of that defense, which means he had a bit of more of a blood and guts affair with Bruno Silva, but you can see his offense is fucking dynamic. I mean, super dynamic. I mean,
1: when he he's in gear, he's going to get some highlight real knockouts. I mean, he, he's the real deal in that regard, but um, I'm not, like, you don't want to say... He, gets, he gets hit a
0: little bit. He gets hit a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And he take, there's some lulls too, Luke.
0: Yes. Yes. Again, those are things I think he is importing from an old style that is extremely good in the sport he came from, which is still quite good, but doesn't have mm, the same level of significance and meaning. Also, I will say, though, in defense of him, I thought, you know, not that Bruno Silva was testing it to the max or some shit, but I thought that like for what he had to show in terms of takedown defense and hand fighting and whatnot, not bad, Not, not bad at all. Right. I thought that was pretty fair. That's, that's definitely fair, Luke. As fair as me
1: saying it out loud right now. In our brotherhood, historically, how people will look at it, you're Little
0: Nog. Great. Um, does that mean I have less CTE? <laughs> okay. Just, look, uh, it's, it's
1: Tell the Truth Mondays, okay? You know, comes right okay. after fucking Fridays. Yeah, there you go.
0: I mean, Big Nog had a better career, but Big Nog, I mean, people knocked him out a lot, you know, so there's that yeah. too. All right. Although little not got knocked out a lot as well. All right, uh, from my co prime. Will Chris Moutinho get another fight, and will he replace Artem as what the goat? No, I don't think he's gonna replace uh-huh. Artem as the goat. BC Chris Moutinho, I dude, I appreciate how fucking tough this kid is, absurdly tough. Yeah, we're gonna and, see it.
1: we're gonna see footage shortly, Luke, <laughs> of, of what happened. Dude, yeah,
0: dude, Guido Canetti was chambering a punch, visibly chambering. And then holding it for a split second before firing just so he could, like, make sure that thing landed with all the mustard that, you know, fucking French's can make. And it did. It's like, dude, if someone is physically cocking a punch back and then waiting a beat to go and then landing clean, you know sh- UFC, UFC fighter should be hit routinely with those. And he is no. hit routinely with those. Yeah, yeah. routinely. in fact. Look, yes.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I wish I wish him well, dude. He showed incredible heart in that fight the, uh, against O'Malley. Um, but look, you know, yeah, we'll see what happens. You'll get another. Yeah, he will get another chance. And I think he deserves another chance, Luke. And then I don't know if he lives past another chance, though, if he doesn't turn this around. though.
0: Yeah, th- it didn't go too well. Nice win by Guido Canetti, but uh, that's it. All right. Last but not least, BC, this is probably a question I could handle more than you, although you are certainly entering territory where you might have to answer it uh, more than normal. At my
1: colon, Becerra, <laughs> You're
0: talking about my colon right now, Luke? Yeah. At Basera uh, or Bissar ATL or Basera TL, how do you get over people not liking you? <laughs> I mean, I, I really, <laughs> yeah. Well, you, usually you when can... I see my family, I ask them to be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, how, how do I ask my neighbors not to urinate on my lawn? I. You know, you just do. All
1: right. <laughs> all right. You're, you're, you're not going to feel that seriously, Luke. You're just going to flip. Just,
0: just. Uh, how do you get over it? All right. Here's what it's you like do. You have to ask. Pile. Okay. No, no. This is very simple. Really. You have to ask yourself how much you would like to tolerate people not liking you. Some people can tolerate it a lot. Some people relish it. Some people dive headfirst into it. Some people get all the way away from it. First of all, you have to decide what you are comfortable with. Number one. And number two, you do need to reflect on to what extent, you, what contributing factors you may be putting out into the world about why people don't, and reflecting on that. And you might decide some of that needs tailoring and some of that doesn't. After that, you just live your life. And if people like you in the way in which you feel, like, if you feel like you're being honest with the world and you feel like you're trying to be pleasant and you get results that more or less you're comfortable with, I don't I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Um, BC, was, you got, that got that any best, best practices? No, that that was genuine. I mean, obviously
1: you can't let it kill you, but... But if it becomes a pattern, yeah, you got to figure out what what causes that. And we all have our blind spots. And look, like we're, we we're all we're all non self aware in a giant way in some in at least one category, right? I mean, you know, unless unless you're a robot, right? So uh, you just got to figure out what causes that, okay, Luke? I mean, you know, I'm sure people look at me and go, "Look, fairly successful guy. Probably in his day could have could have been in shape and good looking, you know, if he took better care of himself." But you know. They, you can't see my liver on the outside, Luke, and all the gas station abuse I put on it. You know what I mean? So they just they, they you know, they just assume I've got it all together. But no, Luke, I've got uh, emotional blind spots, too. Luke, I say bad things on camera about my best friends while they're also on camera, okay?
0: Yes, you do. That. I'm sorry. Thank you. You also do it when they're not on camera and they're on vacation, and then you badmouth them and then ask the co-hosts to, to ask them why... Your other co host's previous show failed. I mean, that's, I caught that one by accident. I was like, wow, they really had this discussion on there. Okay. <laughs> right.
1: You know, that was a test to see. I'm going to be honest with you. Here. You ready for this? Those were like Chewbacca yeah. tryouts. That was a test that I personally did and didn't tell Chuck about it or anybody else to find out if Chuck was really about it, about it. You know what I'm saying? And it th- turned out he yeah. was Luke. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know? The, the
0: answer is: the answer is, at the end of one year with MMA Fighting, I was offered another year to do another show. Or to do the same show, but do it for another year. And there wasn't a chance in hell I was ever going to do that, ever. So, and by the way, they had greenlit this project. Well, not this project, but a similar kind of project. But then, you know. We took our talents to South Beach. So there you go. All right. <laughs> you're damn right. Yeah, we did. Yep. All right, BC. With that in mind, our talents, uh, South Beach or otherwise, we are put them to the side for now. Well, not all of them because I want to see your shit.
1: Yeah, and look, you're not Chris Bosh in this Miami Heat super team. We're, we're LeBron and Wade. That's what you and I are, okay? All
0: Thank right. You. I can live with that. I can live right. with that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, we scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows, the in-betweens. In combat sports and beyond, this is called Have You Seen This? Shit? Oh, God. Luke, have you seen what Khalil Roundtree Jr. did at UFC Fight Night in Vegas
0: when he was fucking Carl Robeson up, Luke? Good Lord. Yeah, this was. Watch, how it, watch this. Look, the knee throws him off. That was the part. He throws him off, you know? And then, of course, these other punches to resist but it's like that kick the knee as he gets up the stomp look at him see how he just he's twisting him like a tornado left to right and up and down and it's so it's when when hardcore mma fans take a step back and go wow that was extremely violent you are summoning heavy offensive forces in what you're doing (laughs) true or
1: false that was the most bad shit violent ufc moment since dan henderson finishing hector lombard at ufc 199
0: false but okay. it's up there it's, it's up, up there. there
1: it's it's not I mean it's not quite Bisping Hendo one but it's up there Luke all right uh Padeda, Luke Alex Pada got that victory over Bruno Silva love it or hate it but Luke what is this walk he does what do you call this the strut on his way to the damn cage he did it the whole walk.
0: I don't know. Aren't the kids all doing some dumb shit called the gritty? I don't think this is the I, gritty. Look, but- I don't know.
1: Is, is he walking me to my truck? What are you like? Where's he going? Like, I, who walks like that? I don't get it, Luke. Absolutely.
0: Just like- is he walking you to Why would he be walking you to your truck, BC?
1: I don't know. Is he, I'm not going to blow him. I mean, this is ridiculous, Luke. I mean, come on. Um, I don't know. Let's go on to the next one, all right, before we get shut down. uh, Luke, you mentioned uh, Guido Canetti. uh. Put it on Alex Moutinho. This is the gruesome yeah. footage to prove that that it actually yeah, happened. Dude. This is wow. bad.
0: I mean, he's just getting hit. Dude, when do you ever see UFC fighters get hit clean like this?
1: Yeah, that's uh
0: well little watch, he's gonna hit he, why watch he's gonna throw him up here. That one. Look, shades like, of these, Nunez these lefts, he's cocking back.
1: Shades of Nunes Rousey or what?
0: Yeah, a little bit, yes. Yeah, good call actually. Felt like that a little bit, yes.
1: Yeah, man, we're just bringing it on Mondays, all right, Luke. Uh, also, you saw the opening bout, light heavyweight Azamat Mirzakhanov. Where would he get this flying knee from against Tafon? Wow. Good luck, God, Chuck, Luke. Um, I know I miss. How
0: he says it, and You know, I
1: know I butchered that, but it's really it's about Azamat, Luke. Is this guy someone we should watch, or was this just one shining moment?
0: Well, Enchukui was the guy I was shouting on on Friday. He trains over here in Camp Springs, Maryland. He And he was winning this whole thing. Dude, the previous round, I think, was a 10-8. And then he came out and then just did this. I think he had seen Enchukui was dipping to a certain side. And he, if you watch, he comes at an angle and he puts his hands like this. And Enchukui goes the other way, which was all he was designed Or the opposite way, anyway. And it's all designed to make his head go that way. And then he forces the knee on him. So, uh, it was set up, it was planned, but it just shows you an MMA, man, this it's so effing chaotic.
1: Yeah, it, indeed. Uh, Bellator two seven five from St. Louis. Luke Mads Burnell. I do give him credit for this mid exchange with one Adam Boric rocking the robot. Luke, what did we do
0: that round though?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. You're right. So, so in reality, what are we doing here? But I, I
0: enjoyed it though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. Mads Burnell turned in a hell of a performance, and if you can't win, you might as well go out there and dance. So I'm not mad at him. But in real time, I was like, bro, you're not winning this round. <laughs> Less robot, more punchy-kicky, you know? <laughs> uh,
1: Luke, uh, Ebb and Len, were at it again. And uh, here's Johnny's strong call-out post-fight after his victory over John Salter. Musasi said he didn't know who the f*** I was. I'm right here, dog. I'm ready to take your ass out. You're an old-ass lion. I'm a young-ass lion. Let's get up in here and let's make that fight happen. He borderline called Musasi a bitch there, Luke. I love
0: that. I love that spirit. What are we, two old-ass hyenas? Is that what we are?
1: (laughs) Luke, I'm I'm just a a lion. I was once a young lion, and now I'm just still a lion right now, Luke. Okay.
0: You're an Uh, old-ass lion. I'm a young-ass lion. We're ass lions. What are ass lions? Oh, I've Uh, seen a few of those, I'm sure. uh, uh, Luke- uh, Did you see him in that Montreal strip club you went to, you fucking degenerate?
1: (laughs) Yeah, dude, that- there's wow uh I don't I don't like to glorify those days at all Luke okay um you you do offline <laughs> uh Luke I told you the BC super sloppy special was gonna be easy Polisi and Jose Augusto in that prelim featured bout and boy did that deliver as Polizzi, Luke was nearly stopped in this dude, wild flight dude how the that. hell did he absorb this look he goes on to win by submission in a wild finish. But that's like Anderson Silva, Michael Bisping right there, dude. Come on.
0: I mean, this is what I mean when it's like, you know, you want to do this shit. Dude, the guy who gets his knee uh, caved in there, or his face caved in with the knee, he wins, as you indicated, he wins the contest. Look what he had to do early in this fight. (laughs) Look what he had to go through. Who wants to do that and then keep fighting? Fuck that man! Yeah, Fuck Michael Bisping. That. That's about it, Luke. Um, that's about and, it. That's about that, it. Alex and by Uzi. the way,
1: dude, there's other wild moments I could have put in this. Remember when Augusto got on Polizzi's back and they were doing like a reverse sixty-nine, and then he almost, you know, dumped him on his head and had that side slam, dude. That was some that's some wild shit, Luke.
0: Is they were sixty-nine have a wild just two people David. standing up? Uh, or a 96. Wouldn't it be a 96? <laughs> yeah, I
1: guess it's a 96. Wow, did you just invent that, or, or should I check Urban Dictionary, Luke? That's no, no, fantastic. I swear
0: to God. I mean, I'm, just, I'm asking questions like, what is an upside-down 69? It's just a... <laughs> or, no, like, I guess it's a 96, yeah. Sort of? Kind of? I don't even know. All right. Oh, right. Uh,
1: I think Bellator should... Their featured prelim should be a, a part of the wild chit division and just throw fighters in there that are you know relatively close in weight. Uh, Luke, welterweight Roman Ferrado improved to 7-0 and with seven knockouts...
0: Yeah, By jabbing
1: Kelvin Rayford to the uh, bottom shelf there, Luke. Wow.
0: Yeah, dude, Bellator has a winner with this guy. He. I don't know how far he's going to go, dude. He is, you know what I'm talking about, BC, where these fighters were like, you know they're good. You don't know exactly how good they are yet because they're in many ways kind of untested. But what you do know is who's the guy you're going to point to on the roster. We need excitement. We need somebody who delivers fight-ending action, fight-ending power, yes, but just really has this offensive, you know, uh, dynamism to him. That guy. That's the one you call every time.
1: This guy's uh, becoming must-watch quickly. Luke, uh, despite your misgivings and mistrust, I'm here to report that Jesus still saves. I mean that both seriously and in the context of this tweet from Helen Yee, Luke, that says Diego Sanchez said Jesus Christ saved him from Joshua Fabia. Um. Thank God, Luke. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. You know.
0: Yeah. People believe believe lots of strange things, yeah.
1: I mean, I'm 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 happy to report that news to the world, Luke. And by the way, how, shout out to Helen Yee on her uh swimming hopes and in, in, in the career change. There, uh, big support, Luke. Uh, and I think the Schmo just turned 32, Luke. I think I saw that on the old IG. All
0: right. Shout out to the Schmo. Happy birthday. He's far from being the old bitch you are, Luke. Right. Yes. Well, at 32, I was probably still an old bitch, but I'm like, I, yes. you, know,
1: you uh, know. Luke, here's the years. proof. Interesting. Here's the proof that Lee Wood Michael Conlon was as insane as we said he, it was. But here, look, here's that end of the first round knockdown on this beautiful looping left from Conlon.
0: Yeah, he faints low to the body uh, and then comes over the top like that. I mean, that's Damn. just. And he
1: hit that same shot like three more times.
0: Yeah, dude, he hit that shot three, three. how about 30, 300 yeah, no, more times. no, but
1: I mean. He, there were a couple times with some pop on it, not to that level, oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. look, that came right through the guard. He couldn't even see it coming. And then here's the ringside view of this now iconic knockout. Luke, let's remind people round 12 Lee Wood down on the scorecards. And this is how he finished it.
0: Colin's going to back up to the ropes here. See this like evasive style. He's covering there, but like the head movement thing, he's going to like that. He just ducks right into it, boom.
1: And I know it doesn't look like much. You have to watch the replay a couple times, and then you realize, oh, he hit that like directly on the, on yeah, the, on the, on the, the temple, reset right? button. Yeah, yeah. like, r- like holy crap, that's short and powerful. Damn, some like Rocky Marciano shit there, Luke. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like a- And
0: a lot of times, if you notice, he was doing the Pacquiao. Pacquiao does this whenever he blocks. Uh, typically punches from that side. He'll put the glove up and then kind of turn into it like this. He'll roll. I mean, a, a lot of boxers do it, but is sort of famous for it. Yes. He tries to do that with one of them, but then the other one he just goes boop, right into it and gets drilled. You know. Damn,
1: uh, Luke! From three years ago, Marab Mur- uh, uh sharing on his IG. You said he's a hammer, Luke, but he used to be a carpenter by trade. Oh, Look at shit. this.
0: Look at this, Luke. That's one way to take out drywall. Yeah, <laughs> this indeed, is it, this isn't? is me before MK. <laughs>
1: To the porcelain in the the, uh, toilet, Luke? Is that where you're going with that? No, just
0: screaming and ranting in my room about how I can't find anything because I'm old and pathetic.
1: Uh, Luke, let me set up the next clip. So Carl Frampton is, of course, the retired former great champion from uh, Northern Ireland and now does some analyst work and what have you. He said on the air, Luke, that if Jake Paul fought Tommy Fury, that Paul would win by knockout. But Luke, just like your public avoidance in telling the truth about Little Nog per possible future uh, reparations, the Fury family keeps receipts, Luke, and Tyson Fury's dad, old Big John, caught up with Carl in public. Here's the result.
0: You think he can beat Tommy then? Answer the question now um Because you disappoint me, and I looked up to you. I'm, and I I'm, I'm, I'm just trying you. to be honest, John. Honest. honest, yeah. Honest. saying See, you could be a fury. I'm trying to be honest. I'm not personal. I'm just trying to be honest. I don't want to talk to you. I'm turn my back on you. I don't want to talk to you at all. Get your facts right. Get off the job. uh
1: Wait, what would he say? Get your facts right, or get off the job, and you don't think John was w- ready, willing, and able to throw down right there despite their size difference, Luke, or if he was the smaller one, John Fury, as he tells the world, Luke, is willing to fight any man bare knuckle right now for all the money he has, like, like right you know here, what? right I be- now.
0: I, be- I believe him. I 100% he- believe him.
1: <laughs> Remember that time Tyson Fury hung up the phone on me because I referenced that Big John uh, got put away a few years back for removing a guy's eyeball in a bar fight,
0: Luke? Yeah, see, all of your getting sent to hells happened on your podcast, which people may or probably more likely may not have heard. But the reality is, it does happen. You get you get flushed quite quite a few times.
1: <laughs> and one day I'll be that Carl Frampton right there, Luke. Okay, looking up at Big John, being like, "Yep, I, I said that shit." You want to know why? Because it's on. Because it's the truth, and that's what we do on. Was Mondays he mad
0: weekend. at him because Frampton said he could beat Tommy Fury? Frampton
1: said Jake Paul would knock Tommy Fury out
0: oh okay well that's that's more of a controversial claim i thought carl because it's like dude carl frampton would you know beat the fuck out of uh tommy fury i would imagine right
1: i mean that's an incredible size difference that's like 126 even then, versus 190 even then. but yeah yeah you're probably right you're probably right luke um luke if it's hard to do trust falls uh if you don't have any friends luke so maybe you, maybe tell your me friends- about it Maybe your friends are garbage, but Luke, you can still use garbage
0: to perfect the the act if you want. No wonder these people are unionizing. I mean, (laughs) can you imagine having to do all this shit and deal with customers? And dude, let me tell you, you know who the worst Starbucks customers are? I'm going to get on a rant. Yo, (laughs) fuck you ladies out there. Yo, if you drive a minivan and you live in a, if you live in a suburb, you're the, you're worse than Osama bin Laden at Starbucks. You understand that? You're the worst person on earth because you fucking house frows, you get in line and you order. Can I have seven Splenda shaking on the side? A little bit of whipped cream, seven pump upside down, white flat Oreo mocha Chino with the sprinkles. Bitch, is there coffee in there somewhere? Or did you come here to get sugar shot into your fucking eyeballs? What are you doing? <laughs> no one can follow your fucking order can i have a black coffee oh look at me look at me how fast i am at the register so other people can get their fucking coffee stop going to starbucks thinking it's baskin robbins and my baby maybe walk to the fucking starbucks how about that get out of your fucking dodge whatever the fuck that you carry a billion kids in all of them who get probably have fucking snot nose fuck all your kids and fuck you lady and when you go to vegas you stand in the line, and you make people like me who just want black coffee. I have to sit there and wait for you to articulate your suburban fucking sugar order. Fuck you, ladies. Fuck you. How about that?
1: Wow. Wow. Mountains just came to You stand up next to a mountain, and you chop it down with the edge of your hand. Yeah, Luke. That's what I'm talking about, bitch.
0: Wow. Woo! Tell me I'm wrong. How many times have you been in Vegas and there's some lady, you know, Look, listen, <laughs> let he who is without sin throw the you know, cast or let, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, what all that shit. Overweight. They're all overweight, and they all order no coffee, just sugar. It drives me fucking insane.
1: Look, is it true that you like your coffee how you like your women?
0: <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny these rumors.
1: All right. Uh, hey, Luke, life comes at you fast. Sometimes it comes at you fast and furious. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Okay, that wow. was pretty cool for losers.
1: I, I can't, is this a trick or was this luck? What happened here, Luke? I don't think these people are signing up. That, for this definitely
0: trick. a trick. Definitely for Instagram. Uh, they'll probably be dead in a week. but <laughs> And they definitely were not, you know... Uh, valedictorians of their high school class. Of, of, of this, we can be sure. But otherwise, it's pretty cool.
1: Uh, Luke, let's play a game called Which Food Would You Least Rather Try? I'll have two options. Here's the first one, Luke. They call it coffee. ramen coffee. Dude, people are sad. What the fuck is this? But they're not actually putting coffee and if you watch it closely. Did they just reinvent the wheel here?
0: I don't think people understand what food is.
1: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look good,
0: but this looks like my effective? toilet
1: bowl. <laughs> but it, but it is isn't effective in the end? <laughs> okay, Luke. Here's your second option.
0: All right, all right, dude. That top ramen is currency in the in the poke. Can you go genital spurt? sow chicken? You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the buffet genital sow chicken to be to be perfectly honest with you,
1: dude. That, I would at least I'd try that at least once. Genital sow chicken, no question about it, Luke. You, I mean, wow. Is that like is that
0: like is that like Rocky Mountain oysters where they just call it that, but you're eating someone's testicle?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I mean, why? Why do I envision one day that's an MK doc bit that we're like. Covering a fight in Laramie, Wyoming. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. boy. By the
0: way, they're saying you skipped the uh, number 11. I did means. skip
1: it. All right, let's go to number 10, though. Number 10. Luke, this video has made the rounds and then some. Have you seen this referee Rolling Thunder bullshit, so these, Luke? These must,
0: these must be amateurs, right? Because they have this the shin the, guards and everything.
1: This is the IMMAF Super Cup semifinals. Oh. And referee Scott Marhart not only takes a Rolling Thunder flush, Luke, he got knocked out. And finish the fight, Luke.
0: Oh shit!
1: We don't get the full Bro, video, not, but but he was like dazed. Let me
0: ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Don't the referees, whatever they call them in hockey, they have to wear the the helmets and the the, the visors and shit too, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Now, granted, the puck is flying, the sticks are flying, grown men are flying. It's a little bit different. I feel like if you are going to be a referee in an amateur fight, you might want a hockey you might want a hockey helmet. I think he's still getting KO'd with a hockey helmet on. I mean, that was pretty flush. Wow. All right. All right. Still,
1: Luke. I just want to let you know that if I ever accept your offer to go to a Cannibal Corpse concert for documentary filming only, this is the car I'm going to uh, drive to the venue, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, dude.
0: There's a there's a church. There's a church near my house. And they've had it since I moved here in 2004. Um, they have a giant sign, and it's not moved at all. It's been there for however many years at this point. And it just says, all sinners welcome. And when you think about it, it's, it's a very Christian message, right? All sinners. Yeah. But then when you start to think of, like, all sinners, you're like, <laughs> like Bill Cosby. Like, Bill Cosby's welcome Oh, here. wow. 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 You know what I'm saying?
1: I, I watched all the sinners, documentary. All of do them?
0: It. Really? All of them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. War machine? Luke? No, come on. I mean, come on, Luke. All right. I mean, what are we doing? Um, Luke, I'd say this is a pretty good rule to live by this next one. Uh, okay, I guess we'll move on. Luke, what's scarier? Why Why, why are you the way you are? <laughs> Luke, what is scarier? Uh, parasailing or skydiving? What's a scarier thought?
0: Ooh, I have seen some disasters parasailing. Um, right. I, th- I have a feeling we're gonna see some.
1: Yeah, well, the, the correct answer is how about both, Luke, at the same time?
0: Look, these guys, these guys think they're the right brothers. Yeah, you motherfuckers <laughs> aren't even the Marx brothers.
1: Oh, God. yo, he fell into like you know two inch deep water. Good lord! Face, face first. Watch this. Oh, Popped. wow. <laughs>
0: You know what? That's karma. I'm just happy we got that
1: past the the quality inspectors, Luke, who one time wouldn't let me show that circus performer get killed by the snake. BC's
0: like, I want to show death.
1: All right, Luke, time for some football fails. Uh, I think the play was uh, out pattern cut left here, Luke. Uh, Or maybe we'll just call it lights out.
0: Oh <laughs> shit! Yikes! Sideshow Bob, Sideshow Bob can move.
1: Yeah, that was a good, good breakaway move. But no, <laughs> wow, wow. There was Steve Atwater waiting for him, Luke. Yeah. Wow. Remember when Steve Atwater stood up uh, Okoye and dropped him with that like forearm, dude? That was like the the manliest moment ever.
0: I don't think it was the manliest moment ever.
1: Um, Luke, I got one more football play for you. Let me see it. I think they call this the Hail Mary. It's just, it's it's the Jesuit Juke for six, Luke. Oh shit! This friar had damn, a
0: dude. Let me see that again. Okay, here he is. Well, he had a lead on him too. Oh man!
1: Yeah, that's great stuff right there. That is great. Notre Dame. I'd like Williams, to make a Luke.
0: joke, but you'd get real mad. So I. You
1: damn right I would. Okay, if it has anything to do with I Little want Mo, you, I please want you, do it. I want bro. you to
0: know it's in here, right here, and I'm replaying it over. All
1: right. Luke, luckily uh, for our listeners, it's America's favorite game show time. Rate my tat, Luke. We had an awful Bruce Buffer tat two weeks ago. Um, do you like this one any better?
0: <sighs> <laughs> um, he he looks like Joey Buttafuoco. <laughs> do people even know who that is. Yeah.
1: You loved him a Long Island Lolita, Luke. Yes. Like,
0: no, I don't love this. I mean, dude, the saturation on the on the on the red circle behind is not great. The UFC lettering is not great. The faces, is...
1: Luke. Not, do you think great. it's not
0: it's not great? Yeah.
1: Do you think the actions of Joey Buttafuoco's wife were was um, understandable, relatable?
0: Wouldn't she stab some chick in the head? She tried to shoot Amy Fisher, right? Oh, Amy Fisher. That's right. Yeah. Um, who was the one who got stabbed in the head? I don't even remember, but, um, not John Wayne no.
1: Bobbitt, Luke.
0: He took it, he took it down
1: downstairs, Luke.
0: Yes, he did. These are all early nineties references that our audience probably has no fucking clue what they all are.
1: All right. Hey, back to the tattoo game, Luke, rate this UFC related tat.
0: That can't be, that's not a real tattoo, is it?
1: Yeah, I think it is, Luke. I think it is.
0: I mean, I've got <laughs> I don't know what people are doing with their money. <laughs> I mean, this let me makes explain, Let me explain. This makes Mr. Tattoos,
1: Heboss come off pretty good, right, Luke?
0: Yeah, let me let me yeah, much better. Let me explain some. Tattoos don't need to be expensive per se. Like you don't have to spend $1000 on a tattoo, but if a tattoo costs, let's say, 300, don't think you're getting a deal for 100. You're getting a much lower quality tattoo. Trust me. Don't cheap out on them.
1: All right, I I believe you. Uh, this is the as last a general tat-
0: rule. As a general rule, it should be about one hundred and fifty an hour for a tattoo. As a general rule,
1: Luke, this last tattoo is a little bit more aggressive. But what are your thoughts on the uh, the idea of it, the positioning?
0: I saw this one. This guy is so fucking gross. Look at this <laughs> townie. This guy, these are the people that just end up on the street dead and you're just not sure how. Oh, wow, wow. It's like, did the Oregon shut down? Yeah, yeah. You know, the fact that the dude's got no teeth is the best part of this. Yeah, I close. He's all all proud. He's like, bro, I got no teeth and I got a cooch right here.
1: Uh, We close with one, Luke, that I've gotten so many requests to show this. It's a few weeks late, but... uh, did you see this regional kickboxing uh, Showtime Pettis attempt here, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> is this you and me? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Dude, if we... I would do nothing but video game moves on you if we fought, Luke, in an octagon. Also, also
0: why is uh, why is uh, 2002 Triple H reffing this match? <laughs> <laughs> I got that one, right? That's a good one, right? I got that one. That I got good, that one. Yeah, that a good one, thing.
1: yeah. That, good one. yeah.
0: <laughs> Woo. Bro, that motherfucker's got a bigger ponytail than any thoroughbred horse you've ever seen. Look at that thing.
1: Wow. Uh, he's, I don't
0: <laughs> give a fuck how outdated my hairstyle is. That's the shit this week, Luke. Uh, hope Dude, I keep telling y'all, I keep telling y'all, you got to go to regional MMA. You don't understand MMA until you've seen that side of it because that's frankly the real side of it. The UFC and all the belt or all the shit we talk about is at least semi kind of polished, you know. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, Dude, BC time I, I for was, odds and ends. People can, so, so you, you know,
1: you might see somebody parachute into the cage. A live bear might enter at any point. Like, like regional MMA is wild, Luke. But yes, um, we close with O and E. Uh, Luke, let's let's do this quickly. To, uh, but this whole look, it's easy to. It's easy to throw your name in the hat for a Conor McGregor fight that'll never happen, or you think it could happen. And look, we 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 put up a fence or a line at what we're willing to tolerate. So, for example, Luke, this Henry Cejudo Conor McGregor back and forth little thing that happened, and challenged you know, and suddenly Conor's challenging him to a fight. I don't know, as 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 shitty and off the menu as that, I can get excited for something weird like that. But Jake Paul doubling back down and going after Dana and trying to say now he'll fight connor in the octagon but if he wins all the fighters have to get paid like dana stopped responding a while ago like i i'm 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 over this luke if you know jake paul still i get it this is this is you gotta you gotta you gotta set the traps to get the opponents i just think this trap is closed right now luke okay
0: okay let me ask you a question he says since you like me now what did i miss where dana white says i like jake paul I wa-
1: yeah so I was going to ask you do you think that's some kind of cryptic like did they have a meeting? You know
0: Ooh, I don't know I hadn't thought of that that's interesting I hadn't considered that
1: I don't know if that's true or maybe there was some correspondence between the two that was unexpected yeah, I don't
0: know. I wonder I wonder <clears throat> I wonder a little bit that's that's interesting I hadn't thought about that I wonder but I wonder are you with right. me on this it's like like, it's like what are we doing here what are we doing dude here?
1: like Connor's not going there dude like if so if we knew that somebody's a free agent and they got one fight left. Then if he was going full bore on Nate Diaz right now, it would be desperate, but you could get it. You get it. Dude, it's, it's not like Dana White's not opening the door to let Conor McGregor fight him or, or vice versa in the UFC, right? I mean, come on, stop.
0: Yeah, it's a little silly. But, you know, as long as they can get cheap publicity from it, they're going to keep doing it. So here we are talking about it, BC. Good job putting that in the in, the, uh, in the run of show. Oh, they got, you're right. I, I, got
1: tra- I got caught in the, yeah. I got caught in the spider web, Luke. Leave a message and I'll call you back. Yeah, there it
0: is. Okay. Uh, for my odds and ends, there is no doubt that Greg Hardy is now gone from the <laughs> UFC.
1: Oh, 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 that was... Did you see you know, that? You know what? That was really... You know, if Jay Aaron would have loved that. Where's the 90s reference counter? Okay, back to you. He,
0: that was Jay Aaron was the referee in the two fat guy match. Um, in all seriousness, my <laughs> odds and ends, there's no doubt that Greg Hardy is now gone from the UFC. He put out a message on Instagram or a post anyway basically affirming that it was true. He thanked everyone. What a run. Your boys, uh, far from done, just got some fine tuning to do. A little more than that, but uh, thank you to all my fans and haters. I appreciate you all. Mostly, I appreciate the coaches, family, and the UFC for blah, 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 blah. BC, we kind of thought this might be coming. Listen, they gave it a shot, and I will say this. If you go back and watch Greg Hardy in the Austin Lane fight, by the way, Austin Lane, I think, is a champion over in LFA or CFFC now, I forget which organization, but he has rebounded a little bit and done quite well for himself. He might get a UFC call up um, before too long. But if you watch that fight, Greg Hardy looked awesome in that fight. Now, granted that was super early in his, do de- his development. But at the time my thought was there is some potential here. This looks interesting. It never materialized. And then it got worse as he tried to fight anyone good. And then you add in the domestic violence, you know, uh, I don't I don't want to call it baggage. It's a real thing that happened to uh, people and to in, in, obviously uh, everyone affected, but, but what i mean to say is he has this issue following him i think everyone saw what they needed to see at this point no
1: oh yeah yeah justified and the right move all in the same all in the same package luke um i had a counter question about him moving forward cuz he did say that he's you know he wants he's going to keep on although look he's also throwing out ideas for celebrity boxing matches or crossover boxing matches that probably won't happen who knows he could get an offer from from everyone from you know, Triller to BKFC to any other MMA promotion. Do you think, though, his best potential chance to get back to the UFC as quick as possible by making the most positive PR around him and his accomplishments in the meantime is by going to Habib's promotion, getting a huge push, and getting opportunities to fight some of those wash names that are walking through the turnstiles one last time? Now, that doesn't mean I think he's going to be Junior Dos Santos per se, but I'm saying is that potential there his biggest chance to, to come back and grab the attention of Dana White and company to, to want to try this again?
0: He's not valuable for the UFC at this point, but for people outside of it, for organizations outside of it, and not all of them, I don't think he'd be a good fit for PFL at all. That tournament system seems not ideal. So what he has to find is who is willing to overpay the most. Simple as that. Because someone is going to overpay for him relative to the regional level, not relative to the UFC level, um, for his services. BKFC seems like a good one. Eagle seems like another one. But here's the problem with Eagle. Dude, they're gonna there's a pipeline from like they had Russian heavyweights they're gonna probably have there that they're gonna recruit that, you know, are still early in their development. He's gonna get smushed by those yeah. guys. Yeah. So Yes, that is a real option for him and if they pay him uh, you know dumb money then yeah, you take it but I think BKFC is actually a I'm mean, not dare I say BC good fit. Good fit. 2-minute rounds, all stand up. He's still pretty athletic, still pretty quick. It's not the worst. Okay, then thing the, uh, in the, the world.
1: reason why I make a facial reaction like that is not that I don't think it could end up being his best financial option or, or even that argument i just tried to make of you know what's the best chance to stay relevant that it may be that as well but do you think the the same thing the sport of mma had to go through but successfully passed through that bkfc isn't quite there yet on this not looking like fight phonography mm-hmm. where you sort of like okay you're on the way out cuz that's what it says right now with the exception of like a mike perry now, it still Mendes. says yeah, but like it still really says it to for both of their absolute futures, but at least, you know, there's a there's a interim category. Oh, I see. So
0: you're asking who from MMA has gone to BKFC and improved their stock dot 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 as an MMA a talent attraction?
1: Where where it doesn't just smell of desperation and in, in your final chances at getting getting a payday, you could Benzant,
0: actually
1: I mean, Paige Benzant
0: I, tried that, but it backfired.
1: But she's still, to, Minda, her, to, to her credit, if she's going to go the pro wrestling route, and I think she has signed with AEW, whether we care about that or not, she may have used BKFC to pivot properly,
0: even though she lost. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying the wins, didn't, the wins didn't materialize in the way that I think some had imagined. Um. Yeah, you're right. There is something to that. There is something to that. I do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It definitely, indi- like you can still do stuff to make money and you can still do stuff to get attention. And even in that world, you can find interesting and fun matchups that people would want to see. But I've yet to see the MMA to BKFC to rebound to MMA that U-shape where the MMA on the other end doesn't suffer. Mike Perry might try. Mike Perry might try. So it's still a, a case-by-case basis, but you're right. We haven't seen that yet. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got, PC.
1: All right, all right. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll hit them hard with an extra credit, Luke, and hopefully um,
0: I'm going to hit them hard with an extra credit. And uh, watch tell the folks. What's going to happen in studio this week?
1: Yeah, uh, look, Showtime Boxing is going to have their big announcement this week on the upcoming schedule. So um, Luke and I will be reacting to that, of course, and also uh, that's that goes down tomorrow, Luke, and also live morning combat on Wednesday. Hopefully, we can. F around and, you know, post a triple-double of some other content as well. But, you know, the whole point is, Luke, that studio is just, it was made for us. So our shows are, I don't know, 46% better in the studio, Luke? What? At did least. I just, did I just make a 90s reference by accident? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I did. Of course I did. Great, great pickup there. I'm um, See, I'm so used to not seeing the 90s counter pop up, Luke, that when it does, I instantly have to be like, wait, was that
0: justified? All right. Uh yeah, Luke. So, what was the best thing about the '90s? The single best thing about the '90s. The number one. Don't give me. Don't give me two through five. I don't give a fuck. Number one. The the white college
1: baseball (laughs) caps made by the company called The Game. I thought
0: you were gonna be like white. People, and I was going to be like, stop, <laughs> white chicks.
1: uh Luke, you do you obviously remember these hats, right? They were the '90s, and you could get like, I had, I bought the University of Colorado hat that said Buffs, and of course everyone bought the the South Carolina one that said Cox, right? You know, but if you wore that, you really had to like live that gimmick, right? So I didn't go that yeah. route, but I had some cool ones. I had the Xavier X Men ones, but then Luke, if you were you know next level, you'd take the little mini scissors and sewing kit. And you'd remove certain parts of the letters or the bars to make it. I mean, it was Luke. You know, I Wait, had a girl. You had a um, Xavier
0: one. Was that, does that mean was that like some fringe Big East team we were led to believe was good and they weren't any good, Xavier?
1: Yeah, but they they proved themselves a few. T- I mean, they beat Georgetown in 1990 in the second round, Luke. I mean, that was the, seen the
0: Georgetown the, recently,
1: <laughs> dude. That was the uh, that was the Derek Strong and um, I know Tyrone I know, Hill I know, I know, team. I know.
0: I'm, I'm teasing that I'm just, beat morning and the people, in people of the old school Big East thought Big East. The sun rose and set in the Big East, and it was and good. It, it was very good. It did. Okay. Yeah, it did, it did. But it, the sun didn't rise. It wasn't quite as good as y'all imagined it to be. It did it exist. Good. It was very
1: good. Luke, it did, okay.
0: You know it. Right. I know um, it. That's it. That's it for odds and ends. That's it for all our stuff. Uh, BC, if folks want to get merch, they can go to morningcombat.store. St. Patrick's Day merch is up. It is available. It's ready to ship to your house anywhere you live in the world, mostly, I, w- I would imagine, right? Indeed.
1: Um, Indeed. So get that shit, okay? Try, try it. Try it one time. If you don't like it, you can get a uh, refund and but but you know prove me wrong, I don't know right?
0: If I, can. I don't know if you can. Yeah, oh, wow, look uh, at Tukey. Way, she's like, uh, yo, she's like, yes. Tuki's
1: like, motherfucker, you said 90 minutes. It's two two, yeah. two fifteen right now. What are we doing
0: here? Yeah, there? I'm turning the house is turning into a pumpkin, so we gotta get out of here. But uh Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. Athletic Greens, folks, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. That's the place you gotta go to get your health situated as it needs to be. AthleticGreens.com yeah, slash Morning Combat.
1: We're not kidding, guys. It tastes great. It's a very easy way to uh, add some needed elements to your diet and lifestyle, so do it.
0: No doubt about it. And, of course, MorningCombat at gmail.com will be the email to reach us, and you can follow us on all the socials, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The next time you see us, Brian and I will be together in studio. We look forward to reuniting. And uh, that's it. So for Malka, for CBS Sports, for the Viceroy of Connecticut, Brian Campbell in Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. We'll see you guys next time. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.